I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Serious Issues is brought to you by Geek Fuel. To get an amazing box full of incredible geeky stuff sent to your door every single month, head to geekfuel.com slash seriousissues. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a wiki comic book podcast brought to you every week by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. And what we do on this show every week is review all of the comics that came out last week and let you know which of those comics are the ones you should be reading too. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you're tuning in just to see if uh, your point of view and, and, and our opinion of the comics you read lines up with ours. Those are both fine reasons to Absolutely. listen to serious issues. Um, well, we're going to kick off like we do every single episode um, and uh, review all the number ones that came out last week in a little segment we like to call First Things First. Uh, how many have we got? We've got a pretty sizable stack of number ones, Siobhan. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big week this week. And actually, it was a bigger week for DC than Marvel for once. Um, as we all know, Marvel released anywhere between 1 and 100 number ones every single <laughs> week. In fact, one of our listeners, Connor, um, went through and, and looked up that, because um, I, I put a call out saying I didn't want to do it myself, could one of our listeners do it? And, Outsourcing. Uh, yep, the, uh, the workers' teen listener we have. Um, <laughs> he, he's borderline tween. <laughs> um, I can't believe how much he's read. It is bonkers. We have to a me. we have a sixteen year old listener called Connor who uh, has probably reads as much as we do every single week. Yeah, it's insane. And uh, he's also our, our head of research now, <laughs> unpaid intern at Serious Issues, and he worked out that Marvel have put out a new number one um, since March seventeen this year. So that's wow. three whole months of wow. uh, of Marvel number ones, and then that, that, that's probably like a one week lull for them. They probably put out. Number ones for like the the four months before that. Yeah, for sure. So we've got two number ones from Marvel coming up. Before we get there, though, uh, DC just wrecked Marvel in the number one stakes this mm. week. They got three, three whole new number ones. Whoa! And uh, one of them we're going to talk about first. Dark Days: The Forge really seemed to pander to uh, the exact kind of DC fans that Siobhan and I are. Yes, I thought this was going to be not up my alley because it has like a very like metal, dark, grim cover. Um, and it's called Dark Days. Yeah, it's called Dark Days. I don't the read. Forge. I don't read DC books because they're dark. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's why I hated New Fifty Two so much. Yeah, um, but then immediately it's about Hawkman. <laughs> it was great. Before and we I get, loved it. Before we get into what it was all about, you should know that this is the precursory book, um, a prelude, if you will, to Scott Snyder's big metal book. 
happening mm-hmm. at DC, a big event he's doing. Um, and so this was written by um, Scott Snyder and James Tinian the Fourth. Um, shout out to one of our other listeners who um, um, he finally saw James Tinney and the Fourth's name written down. And uh, this whole time he's been listening to us and thinking we've been talking about someone called James Tinney and the Fourth. That's so good. That's such a good name. Yeah. Or if his name was just James Tinney and then he's like colorist as the Fourth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you've got on art duties, um, you've got Jim Lee. Uh, damn it! Which cubit is it? I always forget. One of the cubits. One of the cubits, <laughs> Andy or, or Andy not or Joe. <laughs> not Joe Cubit. <laughs> Good idea. Um, and um, John Reed Jr. It's Andy Cubit. There you go. I think Adam Cubit does a lot of Marvel stuff. Andy's always right. at DC. So I mean, from that point of view, I'm like, those are. I know they're like probably DC's highest paid artists right now because they're yeah. old. They, they sell books. Yeah. These are three of my least favorite artists, just from a personal taste point of view. Like I, I respect that they are. Skilled, they certainly have their own style. I don't like their style. They were amazing at a certain time in history. That time has passed. <laughs> so Scott Snyder, hit, hit or miss for me, for the most part hit, especially lately. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed his um, uh, that, that series that just ended, the three books that he put out with Image with, um, with our boy. Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. I like that a lot. Whatever the, whatever the fuck that was called. I really enjoyed that. AD. And AD after I didn't death. I read it. I know. Like you're way better at remembering things than me, and you shouldn't because you've got a baby in your stomach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I also have enjoyed um, some of the All-Star Batman issues recently. That one with Alf- Alfred was awesome. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was like, kind of like, oh, God, you know, the art team, the dark days. The- yeah. I wasn't expecting much from this. And this just really just delivered. It felt like reading 52 for the first time. Absolutely. Uh, which is an amazing event that was written, uh, like, God, we've been 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, about a year in the DC universe without their big three. No Wonder Woman, no Superman no uh, Batman and it kind of focused on all the other like weird characters in the DC books that can't really hold their own series. Mostly Booster Gold. Yeah. <laughs> um, who then went on to hold his own series for quite a while. Yeah, that was a um, series. But uh, Dark Days The Forge, um, I guess at its heart, is uh, about the, do you say oomph or north or ninth? I would say oomph metal. Oomph metal. Which in is my head, the, uh, but I've never actually had to say it out loud. Which is, yeah, it's the metal that... Uh, Hawkman's costume is made of, or yeah, is it the it's metal in? It's where he can fly. So it gives him his powers. I think so. Yeah. Powers have... of having a sweet hairy yeah, wait, chest. Does he? Ha- does he have powers, or is he just a man with a suit? With he like has powers long... in that he dies and then is reborn constantly. Oh, but that's more of a curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we have a, 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 the kind of the, the two the two main characters that I guess this 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 uh, plot. This story um, revolves around uh, Hawkman, and we see him kind of throughout time and talking about his curse, coming back and, and, and fighting only to die again, and his, um, his what's his, Hulk girl. Yeah. Um, and then you have Batman, who is, uh, has been studying the oomph metal um, and uh, is, is discovering some dark days indeed within that metal. But um, this is like his great kind of tour of the DC universe, and we, we have little glimpses of you know Justice League characters like Green Lantern and Aquaman show up. Um, Aquaman and- has long hair and a beard again. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and uh, then, very excitingly, um, we see some returns of some of my favorite DC characters that you know I, I would love to see featured more. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we see a little tease of Plastic Man, who is like kind of trapped in an egg form uh, in the Batcave. Um, we see one of our listeners pointed out that that was potentially like supposed to look like a silly putty container, which is hilarious and really good fun. Like this is this is a book that seems like it's really serious, but it also has like Batman emerging from a volcano in a bat suit. Yeah. Like it's so silly, but so serious, but so fun. 
Absolutely. It had Mr. Terrific. And that, well, you just summed what up what makes DC so fun. Absolutely. Is it, it always presents these completely batshit, insane things. Mm-hmm. Or it used to, like, the DC comics I kind of grew up reading, was such bizarre, you know, where Marvel would try and always explain things with science, even though it was, you know, pretty out there science. Yeah. DC is just like, this, this, is, this is real, it's stupid, but it's where everyone <laughs> else is deadly it. serious about it, so follow along. Um, there's um, um, Mr. Miracle shows up. Um, I loved his scenes. Yeah. Um, and then the final reveal. Um, oh, there's also like, is that like, like that weird like tuning thing that was in Crisis on Infinite Earths? That's what Batman's got locked up. There's yep. all there's all kinds of crazy Batman lore. Basically, all everything metal that that has anything of significance in the DC universe, from Doctor Fate's helmet to um, Wonder Woman's New Fifty Two uh, wrist bracelet things. Yep. Um, one of Aquaman's tridents. They're all they've all all linked to the nth metal. And as someone pointed out, nth. Uh, sorry, Lynn has just passed me her phone. Nth metal is actually pronounced nth metal. Nice. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Lynn. Um, <laughs> and as someone else pointed out on our Facebook page, um, you got to assume that that means the metal men are going to show up, which is thrilling to me. You love the metal men? I love the metal men. Which man. is your favorite of the metal men? The tall um, one with the long nose? <laughs> Mercury or whatever? <laughs> I like platinum because she's like, just the sexy lady one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the big reveal at the end of this, and uh, look, I, I, I think there's, there's enough batshit insanity in this book that you can read this knowing that this character shows up at the end. Yeah. But if you don't want to be spoiled, skip forward a minute. Um, uh, we see one of those great scenes where, you know, um, Green Lantern has infiltrated the Batcave. Duke Thomas is like, what are you doing, Green Lantern? And um, we see him kind of exploring parts of the Batcave that neither of them have ever been in before. I love the reference to Duke Thomas being like, I thought you couldn't fight me because I was wearing yellow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, and uh, at the end of the uh, kind of tunnel they're exploring, we see that the Joker has potentially kind of reincarnated using the Earth metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Batman's uh, keeping him in his cave, in his secret cave. Yeah, I don't his know. even it, more secret cave. And are, are they going to fight or are they going to... Because I love when, um, you know, different superheroes fight their other heroes, villains. Mm. But I don't know. I feel like, what the fuck's Joker going to do to Green Lantern? Yeah. 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 Green Lantern just be like, well, now I have you in... Force field and then we're done. <laughs> yeah, this is over. <laughs> but there was so many like I'm. I love Mister Terrific. Like any character who can have the words fair play written on his costume <laughs> yeah. and get away with it is like the best thing to me. Um, I also love the reference to the Outsiders. Um, mm. Batman's one of Batman's other other teams with like Metamorpho and Black Lightning and Katana and Geoforce. And I can't remember who's the chick in the rainbow costume. I can't remember, but that's the original Outsiders lineup from the eighties. Right? Yeah, yeah, so sick. So, um, great. so I like the idea that Batman's been having like bonus secret adventures that we haven't seen yet um, from since Rebirth started. And yeah, so I, I thought when when Snyder announced that his next big thing, I think Capullo's coming back for it too. Metal is mm. coming out. Um, I thought it was going to be like, you know, this, you know, bat rock opera or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, now, yeah. yeah, metal obviously refers to the nth metal and uh, is going to be a big celebration of uh, the weirder side of the DC universe, I guess, and some things that we haven't seen in the DCU for a couple of years. I, I don't know. I think this is exactly what I want from a DC book. I love these uh, epic in scope events that don't necessarily tie into anything else. Yep, absolutely. I also love an event that um, is fo- like... Um, kind of focused around Batman's hubris. <laughs> like Batman making some stupid mistakes because he's like, no, no, I can handle this because I'm Batman. Everyone's like, you're just one man, Bruce. Um, I love that. So I guess metal starts next month, maybe? Jim, Jim? When, when does metal start? Yes. 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 It starts yes. Uh, so we'll come back and uh, see if this uh, event is as good as its prelude in, in July. 
apparently there's a, there's a one shot. Okay, so there'll be a whole bunch of bullshit before then. And we will, um, of course, uh, let you know which of those bullshits are worth reading. Um, um, I also really liked, I really liked the John Romita Jr. pages and the Jim Lee pages I thought were pretty strong as well. Yeah, all, everyone's, for like, you know, the, the art talent that I don't necessarily like that much. I think, yeah, Cubit's definitely the weakest of the three. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I, I quite liked both Jim Lee and, and um, Romita Jr. Like, I, I saw them both yeah. working together uh, on the Suicide Squad run mm-hmm. um, earlier in the year and their styles aren't that dissimilar now. I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into it. Fun. Um, so, yeah, a big surprise. Um, and this week really seemed like a, a, a celebration of uh, lots of things that I've missed from the DC universe. Absolutely. Um, and when we, when we review all the regular DC books, you'll see exactly why. But there were return characters. There were yeah, stacks of just great yeah. characters that I haven't seen in a long while returning. And it was a lot of fun. Really good fun. Before we you talk about DC books that we actually liked... <laughs> uh, DC have done a little bit of corporate synergy this week And um, we saw it last year with um, the DC Hanna-Barbera series um, One of which was great uh, The Flintstones, <laughs> that is And uh, now we're seeing them do a little bit of synergy with Looney Tunes um, And we've, you know, we've read some older DC crossover um, Looney Tunes books uh, in the mm-hmm. past um, But uh, this is yeah, a, a series of one-shots uh, featuring some uh, all-over-the-place tier talent uh, mm. Working on these, these books but uh, this week we've got we've got Legion of Superheroes and Bugs Bunny crossover, and Martian Manhunter and Marvin the Martian crossover. Which of these should we start with? Let's start with Martian Manhunter, Marvin the Martian, because I was like I love Martian Manhunter. Yeah. I think that his him not being in the DC Rebirth universe thus far is like one of my saddest things. Like I don't think it feels like the Justice League without him on it. I just think that he's like a really core part of the universe that hasn't been brought back yet. And so I was like, sweet. I'm going to read this. And I don't really know anything about Marvin the Martian. I didn't really grow up with Looney Tunes, so it's not something that I'm like super familiar with. So yeah, Marvin the Martian, if, if, if Martian Manhunter is your DC guy, Marvin the Martian is absolutely my Looney Tunes guy. Oh yeah? Yeah, like the Duck Dodgers uh, stuff. I grew up, my, my dad is a massive Looney Tunes fan, right, so that okay, was like, yeah. a, like my cartoon upbringing. Um, and I was, I was kind of like, I guess going into this, I was expecting something really goofy and silly. This was so serious. What the fuck? Why would you do that? It was so boring <laughs> and so weird, and I didn't understand why it was like this. Like, I understand that Martian Manhunter can be a pretty po-faced character because he's like, "Ooh, my wife and child are dead. All of my, all I am the last my Martian. <laughs> my I'm wife and child and everyone and everyone <laughs> I have ever known is dead." Um, but this was just like a like ludicrously serious story about Marvin the Ma- Martian trying to blow up Earth and Martian Manhunter being like, no, I won't allow you to do it. And it ends with him like shaking hands with the US Army going like, ah, we're all friends. Don't ever not trust me. <laughs> so this so is uh, weird. written by uh, Steve Orlando um, and Frank J. Barbier with uh, Aaron Lepresti. Um, also, it pencils. ignores Martian Manhunter's like one weakness, which is fire. At one it point, he gets him, set like, on fire. Yeah, but he's like flying through it, and he seems fine. Yeah, it's yeah. so silly and weird. And also, Martian Manhunter looks like like a like like this Roman kind of god with a big black head, which was odd. Yeah, yeah. Was, oh man, I don't get this at all. Um, so each of these one shots has like a um, kind of more in line with DC Comics main feature, and then there's a backup, which is I guess drawn by someone, uh, written and drawn by someone that you know with more comedy leaning, cartooning. Uh, styles. So we have um, written at the back, we have Marvin the Martian and Martian Manhunter in the next to last Martian, uh, written by Jim Fanning and uh, art by John Loder. And these stories 
I guess, tell the same plot, but from a, like a Looney Tunes point of view as opposed yeah. to a DC one. Which also seems like a huge waste of time. But I did actually much this prefer this so one. much better. Yeah, like this was funny. like Actually yeah. funny. Um, and like the, it really went for like the gag heavy stuff, which is what I was expecting. Yeah. I, kinda, I was like, because surely all of like, surely Steve Orlando and, and the various um, talent that we have working on these books grew up watching Looney Tunes. Like it's, mm. you know, it's so prevalent in the States. And I would love to see them, you know, we, we see like one or two like little gags, like the Just Add Water spa- mm-hmm. spaceship. But I would have loved to just see that. Like, and I hope when Tom King does his Elmer Fudd Batman book, mm. I hope he's really leaning into the, the Looney Tunes side of it as opposed to the Batman side. But Yeah, because that's just Or also be like that bizarre so weird. Batman top cat bullshit that we yeah, saw last year. Oh, God, that was earlier the year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is a really weird start. I actually tried to start both of these books about five times before actually going, fuck it, I've got to sit down and, and probably get through these. Um, but I liked how uh, self-referential Legion of Superheroes and Bugs Bunny was. Um, you know, I've read maybe two issues of Legion of Superheroes mm-hmm. from the past, and they are so confusing and all over the place yeah. and dramatic. And uh, this had like a ridiculous kind of um, editor notes all the way through it. Yep. Um, written by Sam Humphreys, um, pencils by Tom Grummet, inks by Scott Hanna. Um, the style of cartooning in the, in this main feature while being more in line with like, you know, silver, not even, yeah, like Bronze yeah. Age kind of DC books um, was also felt, you know, suitably cartoony. And um, yeah, I just thought this was, uh, even though it took me a while to go like, okay, cool, they're really, they're really like, you know, sending up and also tying into the way Legion of Superheroes comics used to be. Mm. Um, once I finally, you know, sat down and got properly into it and they introduced Bugs Bunny and, He's Bugs Bunny. He's not like the weird Roman version of Marvin that we got in the yeah. other book. He's, you know, he's just straight up Bugs Bunny. He makes gags. There's dumb things happening all the time. And they all think he's a superhero because he can suddenly like change his outfit, pull things out of a non-existent mm. bag. Like, yeah. And I, yeah, even though it was like, it was pretty much like by the numbers Legion stuff, um, but with Bugs Bunny in it. It yeah. was fun. It was good fun. I thought the the like ongoing joke of like the Legion destroying themselves with their teen angst was pretty funny because like that is pretty much what Legion superhero <laughs> comics are mostly like. There was a RuPaul joke, RuPaul reference in it, which I yep. was very into. <laughs> a bit where um, Bugs puts on Wonder Woman's <laughs> costume and punches someone for no reason. Like it was it was silly and fun, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, but the backup in this one is Tales of the Legion of Superheroes. And um, the uh, the imposter Superboy, and again tells the exactly the same, the exact story. same story. And I loved the art; it's written and drawn by Juan Manuel Ortiz. And but um, I couldn't read it because I was like, I literally just read this. Yeah, I don't understand why you're telling the exact same story. The art was fantastic, though. Yeah, so, it was uh, really pretty. Yeah, I, w- I would read lots of stuff. It was remind me of like the kind of throwback um, golden age art you see in like a Fanographics book or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good fun. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't understand why you ha- why I tell the same story twice if they're not dramatically different. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, Some so weird choices on these books. Yeah, so we, this week, next week, we get uh, two more of these books. We get um, Wonder oh, Woman, Tasmanian Devil. Ugh, yeah, which I don't, I don't I don't know how that is going to go at all. Um, and uh, there's one more uh, that I can't remember. So Lobo and Roadrunner. <sighs> which of these do you reckon will be better? I reckon. I don't know. I feel like the Lobo one just the, because the like, Lobo one has more potential. Just well, not because of Lobo, because of Roadrunner. No, because of Lobo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like you can't you can't do an edgy, grounded version of Roadrunner, right? Yeah, totally. So hopefully they did lean into just classic Roadrunner antics, and uh, Lobo cops a Acme anvil to the head a few times. That'd be good fun. Um, so over to Marvel now, and uh, we have two new number ones. Um, one of them is a Secret Empire tie-in that is just a one-shot. The other one is. I guess the biggest non-event 
number one that Marvel are going to have for the year, right? I mean, you don't know what I'm talking thus about. Thus far, yeah, but okay. the, the Defenders number one. Um, they're coming together of uh, Netflix, all the next Netflix heroes you know and love, and Iron Fist. <laughs> I stole that from a meme, but it's a good meme. Uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist. Is this set? Okay, I was confused by this because it is not. It does not appear to be set in current Marvel continuity, nor is it set in the Netflix continuity because Luke and Jessica are married. I think it definitely is set up in, in regular continuity. You just okay. have to ignore, it's just ignoring all the events and stuff like okay, that. Okay, right, right, right. Um, cool. It's written, written by Brian Bendis, who has actually done, like, you know, if you go through some of the better things that Bendis has done in his mm-hmm. career, um, he's written, you know, he created Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. He wrote an excellent Luke Cage and a pretty good Iron Fist in his mm-hmm. new Avengers run. And uh, his Daredevil run is kind of said by many to be the best thing he's ever worked on. So it makes sense that Bendis gets the reins on this title, featuring these characters. And these are his favourite characters. Like These are characters that he, like, in his new Avengers run, pushed constantly. And uh, this is the same creative team as Civil War 2, which had me, like, groaning at first. But then I realised that the artist is David Marquez. David Marquez is so good. David Marquez is brilliant. He's really, really good. And we we, we, uh, see... We get kind of introduced to each of these characters one by one uh, throughout this story. Um, the return of Diamondback, uh, who is one of Luke Cage's kind of... He's like a street-level thug mm-hmm. who's trying to take over New York crime. Um, and uh, th- the reason that these ca- he kind of targets each of these characters um, with explosions, one of which takes out Jessica Jones, and which I thought was dumb. I like, like that he, he leaves diamonds at like the scene of his every crime, which is just like really fiscally irresponsible. Yeah. Even for... A- like, I understand, but also... But he's just stealing a lot of diamonds. Right? Yeah. He yeah. doesn't know what to do with them. Um, and, uh, yeah, they kind of... Daredevil suggests they all they all team up to fight the street-level crime because the Avengers deal with what's up there. We're going to mm. deal... Someone's going to deal with what's down here. And um, I thought this was really, really strong for the first three quarters and then the final fret fight kind of went off the rails, but I don't doubt that they'll be able to pull it back together for the next issue. Yeah, I thought it was like completely fine. Did you read the whole back matter? That was, I didn't because no, I was like, this not. is a billion, like this is so long. This is too long, so, Bendis. This is very... I, I remember this was like, the Bendis did like an oral history of the Avengers when he took over the Avengers titles. Mm-hmm. I think maybe with the new Avengers at the back of each issue, and there were these long, exhaustive interviews. Yeah, and it was like mildly amusing in parts. But yeah, I'm not. This this has a uh, a, a Luke Cage interview in the Pulse, which is the uh, magazine that Jessica Jones worked at, and a series written by Bendis years mm-hmm. ago. Um, and it's it's been written in uh, quotation marks by Benjamin Urich. Fun. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's. I like that it exists. I'm not going to read it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I liked the um the Jason Latour, um. I'm assuming it was a cover to something a while ago. Oh, yeah, that's um, an amazing cover. But it just, I would, that's a cool poster. Yeah, really cool. Just a sexy be, pinup. Be a true power man. And then on the, on the in the background, you can see after Romita, Busiema, and McFarlane. Yeah. Um, I thought this was like totally fine. There were a couple of weird storytelling moments. Like this, I originally read as is where Diamond back. Yeah, we see, uh, we see a, a, the t- double page spread split into four and, you know, our, our eyes are trained to go up and down, then left yeah. and right, but you're meant to go left, right, left, then down, then right. Yeah, and there right, were a couple of moments like that in it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, other than that, it was, it was fine. Yeah, I did love the, um, you know, when each of these characters uh, has their, are introduced on the page, we see a massive kind of logo and then mm-hmm. a few key moments from their lives drawn really beautifully behind them the Luke Cage one was my favourite because he's looking really like 
cute and happy holding groceries. Yeah, and then in the background you see like you know very little heroic stuff, mostly him with his baby and in jail and stuff like that. Mm, yeah, cute. Yeah, look, I think this is a this is a cool kind of package, um, and I doubt you could pick this up and be disappointed. I just think uh, as a first issue, it maybe tried to do too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely going to be reading the Defender series ongoing. Yeah, I mean, I'll pick up the next issue. She's excited, everybody. I love it. She's, she's stood <laughs> up. She's running around. Work off that energy. Uh, Secret Empire United, number one, written by Jim Zub with art by Ario Anandito. And um, this uh, book, I can't even remember. Oh, it was all about the mutants, the role the mutants play in uh, the Secret Empire world taking over the um, Marvel Universe right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been given their own country that's been ruled by Zorn. Or um, so we think. So the main point of this issue in which we see um, mutants trying to infiltrate the American border so they can fight Hydra um, is that we learn who this character posing as Zorn is. And I like that reveal. Yeah, that was a fun reveal. Um, I was we, into it. We don't need to wreck that because I think a lot of people are kind of listening to this to find out which of these tie-ins they should pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the reveal was good. I thought the story was like just whatever, but yeah. the reveal was good. So yeah. if you were like, you know... <laughs> you just tell them what the reveal is? No, that? I know you want to with all your might, but no, let's not do it. Fine. Um, I thought it was satisfying, the, the reveal. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I think uh, of all of the tie-ins that they've done, also that the main, the main, the new series that they've brought in, they've got, they've, we've had like, what, there's like the third of these right now, mm-hmm. um, these one shots. This is probably the only one I would say that, to bother buying, even though the story yeah. wasn't so strong, but the, the, you know, as far as revealing things that are important in the bigger story, that was Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. That's all I got to say on the matter. Mm. We get another one next week. Woo! Uh, another one shot. The next one is called um, Secret Empire Underground. So I imagine that's going to be what, what all the people who are trapped in the uh, dark zone. Oh, yeah. That's cool. going over New York. Are doing. Can't wait. Can't wait. So that was uh, Marvel. <laughs> that was DC, which means there's another powerhouse that put out three number ones this week, and that is Image. Um, we're going to kick things off with a review of a new Skybound series, which is uh, Robert Kirkman's imprint within Image. Um, this series is called Kill the Minotaur, and uh, it's uh, been written by Chris Passetto and Christian Cantamessa, with art by Lucas Kettner. And great colours by Jean-Francois Bolo. Bellou. I'm sure I said that incorrectly. Um, so this is a uh, like a sword and sandals throwback book yep. to that era. Um, Based on the story of surprising no one like Theseus and the Minotaur mm-hmm. um, I loved this this was so fun do you want to try and sum up the plot guys you know it I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not aware of uh, these ancient prophecies right okay <laughs> so King Minos Myths. King Minos um, has a giant um, maze created by Daedalus who his son was Icarus mm-hmm. um, and then in the maze is a big Minotaur which is half bull half half man thing um who he calls his son and he overtook um athens and so every year they have to send like strong young athenians to go and be like trapped in the maze with the minotaur and be killed by the minotaur and prince theseus is like that's fucked up guys and um so he takes the place of someone else under the um like after getting advice from daedalus as well Um, um and goes to to save his people, but he's a bit sort of headstrong and silly and kind of rushes in without a plan, and then everything goes awry. Um, so I wasn't expecting this at all. I kind of, 
we got a preview copy of this, and mm-hmm. you, we, the image previews now are like these smaller sized black and white versions of the book. Little black and, and white. And I, I got maybe three pages into it about four times. I was like, oh, I'll just wait for the color to come out. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the pencils are great, but I just wasn't captivated by the story. The colors are beautiful. And then as soon, I, feel, I swear, as soon as I got to like page four, I was like, oh, this book's awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is so good, guys. I like, I was really, really hooked by this. It's a classic story, but it's one that probably hasn't been retold that often and at least not in comics. Well, yeah, the, the ancient Greek setting, I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm really that interested in that, but it's so much more than that. The, the dialogue mm-hmm. is extremely modernized. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and fun. And uh, But they don't do the whole, like, it's not it's not like Game of Thronesy where it's, like, really over the... Like, it's very violent and they're, like... There's a couple of swears, but it's not like trying to be like, guys, this is extreme. This is cool. This is for grown-ups. Yeah. Um, it's just very like well-told, really well-paced issue. I loved it. Yeah, it's great. And once you realize, once the ball drops, then you realize that this, you know, pretty dumb plan to begin with has actually yeah. like has turned to shit in a much worse way than you could have ever expected. Yeah. Like that, there's a, an unbelievable reveal towards the end. Yes. Um, that uh, I was just like, oh man, I'm in. I'm in for the long, the long run on this. Series. Absolutely. This uh, was such good fun. Again, and this is another Skybound book that's kind of brought together a creative team that I've read nothing of before mm. and like delivered a comic that is. Uh, is you know something that you'd expect from uh, like a, lo- a a veteran of of, of comics. Absolutely. I wonder if that's to do with like um, Sean Makovich, who's the editor. Well, they say in the back matter, there's like a little sort of thank you letter essay thing from the writers, um, and they sort of say that like they had a lot of sort of editorial guidance and stuff, and I think it really paid off. Yeah, it really does. And I think we see we read a lot of younger writers that haven't done that much without editor editorial. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, no, sometimes we do, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just think uh, this is definitely the way to do it for your first big kind of creator own book, helping having someone guide you to where the story would be stronger. Absolutely. Yeah, this was a great series. I'm looking forward to seeing it where it pans out. Yeah. Uh, we got another number one uh, from Image this week, um, written by Steve Niles, uh, best known for his work on 30 Days of Night. Is that him? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, various other horror things. There's an, there's an ongoing book that I read that IDW put out called The October Faction. Oh, yeah. That he does that. I really like that. So um, I was like, when I saw his name, I was like, oh, cool, this will be good. He's a horror um, guy. Art and design uh, on this book is by Alison Sampson with Colors by Stefan Petro. Um, and this is a book about a family who um, they like, they're going on a road trip and um, it's uh, a mother and and her son and then like the her new boyfriend and, mm-hmm. and, and he's trying to impress the son, but he won't let him in. Um, and so they stop, they, they're they forced to put all their phones away um, and then they go to like a, a country fair and um, then all kinds of crazy shit happen and uh, they're left without, like someone steals their van and all their phones. Um, I love that like the car gets stolen mm. and um, they, they realize that they're stranded and the kid goes, my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Classic teen. Um, and then uh, they kind of get to a town and there's nobody in it. Spooky. Spooky stuff. Very spooky. So, okay, I thought this was not bad, but just a bit of nothing. It was a pretty, like, it It didn't feel like anything especially new in terms of the horror genre. Like, I feel like we've all seen creepy freak show mm-hmm. plus mystery plus family kind of thing before. Yeah. Surely. So, the only reason that I'm going to stick around with this is because the first few issues of 30 Days of Night are extremely fast and not much happens. Yeah. Um, but if you, I, I read them all in a, you know, in a glut, 
mm-hmm. like you know, I read twenty issues in one night, and they were incredible to kind of breeze through like that. I'm I'm thinking maybe he might start turning the tropes on their head at some point in this. Yeah, I think Steve Niles is enough of a like um, experienced horror writer for me to give this a couple more issues at least. Yeah, and if they don't catch on, maybe I'll revisit it when, once it's been collected a couple of years from now. Mm. Um, finally, from Image, we got Bitch Planet. Uh, triple feature number one, which is an anthology series uh, set within the Bitch Planet universe. Uh, it's presented by Deconic and Delandro, but it's been uh, everything has been written and, and drawn by uh, new, fresh creators. I guess mm-hmm. um, we've got uh, Cheryl Lynn Eaton, Maria Frolich, Andrew Aiden, Joanna Estep, Conley Lyons, and Craig Jung, um, working on three short stories within this book. Now, I don't read Bitch Planet. Um, which mm-hmm. is something I, I need to rectify in the future. Yeah, um, I'm aware how how beloved and good it is. Uh, but uh, I did it make did this make sense? No, to you? not at right. all. That's why I was gonna, that's why I was gonna bringing that up. I I, right. I kind of you know I, I read through this going like oh, I bet if I read the series like these little setups of um, they felt like preludes to characters that we see in the Bitch Planet books regularly, right? I didn't recognize any of these characters, right? Which is not to say that that's they weren't preludes because I um, like the series comes out pretty infrequently and it, I haven't reread it um, in trade or anything like that since the beginning. Siobhan writes, reads comics with her eyes closed, everybody. I really do. Most of the time I forget to read the second half. Um, but these were just sort of like little stories of like the extreme kind of hyper blown version of sexism that exists in the Bitch Planet universe, as far as I could tell. I got that for sure. I, but I guess they kind of. they. Each each character, each sorry, each story has a pretty like you know a, a female protagonist that they really mm-hmm. explore the character of, and it felt like they were setting them up to be in something. Is this is this, is this going to be an ongoing this anthology? Or? Yeah, yeah, I think right. the, well, the anthology go. series is ongoing. There you go. Right. Yeah. Well, see, so yeah, I'll uh, I think I would be I would sooner catch up on the main series than read a second issue of this just because this felt um, I just I just got lost in it. Yeah, and like the the main series is really excellent and like worth yeah. much like. If you if you were going to choose between the anthology based within the universe or the main series, I would Obviously. definitely recommend get, yeah, yeah. The, get the main series. But as a Bitch Planet fan, would you recommend this to other BPFs? Absolutely. If you like Bitch Planet, 100%. 100% check this out. Comply and buy this. Did I do it right? <laughs> Is that a good reference? Almost. And as always, great back matter. Yeah, great back matter. We had a great essay and great letters column too. Yeah. Real cool stuff. Um, over to Dark Horse now, um, and we got uh, the latest issue of Briggsland has just been re- renamed as a, as a new series. Is pick- that really what, it, like, they're just continuing? I thought this was, like, a different series, but no, 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 no it's just... Exactly, yeah. It's, it's the, so, huh. like, that, those first four, however many issues it was, that's mm-hmm. that's the first volume, and this is the second volume. It's called Lone Wolves. This is written right. by Brian Wood with art by Matt Chater uh, and tells the story of a family living in America off the grid in their own sovereign nation. Um and uh, the the matriarch of mm-hmm. the of the family, uh, while her husband is locked away in jail, has decided to take over uh, and write a few of the things that she sees as uh, as wrong within Trying the community. Trying to make it a little bit less racist. Yep. But only a little. A bit. little less Nazi affiliated, if yeah, you will. Absolutely. Um, and uh, this scene, this this issue, um, immediately throws you in the deep end. Um, some basically like the the last thing that a uh, sovereign community would ever want, and that's the invasion of uh, American forces. Mm-hmm. Um, happen uh, happens in the first couple pages of this, and then mm-hmm. we we take a, immediately take a step uh, a few you know a few weeks or months beforehand, four weeks earlier, and uh, we learn. We, we see the beginning of, of, of why what, what you know why that invasion came to happen. Good issue. Great issue. Very I'll, not not really like confusing if this is where you decide to well, clearly, jump on. You thought it was a new series. 
<laughs> yeah. Briggs world. Briggs planet. Yeah. They're just going to keep going bigger and bigger. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed this this series. It's, it's, it's such a good one. Absolutely. It's funny how there's like sometimes ideas which just seem to like exist in the universe and then we get a bunch of series like this is the second series that we're going to be talking about this week that's about like a sovereign nation within the US yeah totally Grass Kings uh, issue number four being mm. reviewed later on in the episode too um, yeah this is cool and apparently this is being turned into a TV show yeah I don't, I don't care because comics are better than television how about agreed. you agreed yeah although if they don't get um, what's her name Julianne Moore Julianne to play Moore. Yeah, um, yeah. Mama Briggs then that's a that's a failed opportunity guys what you can hear in the background right now is uh, King's, Lynn, King's Lynn Comics Lynn uh, staff of the month, uh, <laughs> Lynn, sending all your packages from Kings. Really, to really delicately, gingerly packaging everything. So many people have asked us this week on the Kings Facebook page if we send things like how how we package and deliver things. It's really nice, guys. We do a good job. It's not a robot back here. It's not a robot, although it should be. It should be. It will be. Hashtag replace Lynn. Um, <laughs> 2000 AD put out a number one this week. And a one-shot, which is uh, billed as the comic book sequel to the cult hit movie Dread, uh, which is a movie I fucking loved. It was a great movie. Um, and uh, they always kind of say, oh, we're going to do a sequel to it. No, we're not. Sorry. Yeah. Um, most recently, they said they were going to do a TV sequel or something, which I would be heaps into. They don't need to do a sequel. They just need to do another another Dread movie yeah, with the with same Carl thing. Yeah, with Urban. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. More Carl Urban movies in general, please. So this, uh, this comic is called Anderson, The Deep End. And uh, Judge Anderson, of course, is the telepath um, judge. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was one of the characters in the Dread movie. Um, and here we see her kind of, uh, you know, just going out and, and, and uh, taking down some perps mm-hmm. and then being um, interviewed in, in a backup feature um, by a superior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought these were like you know these are great little glimpses into the uh, dread the dreadiverse. Absolutely, it was cool that this came from 2000 AD and not IDW. Not to say that IDW don't do great work, and we're going to review one of their dread books again later in this episode. Oh, I forgot to read that. God, it was the uh, the Judge Dread Aliens Predator finale. Oh yeah, Such I did forget to read that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if you if you enjoyed the movie or if you just you know enjoy dread books and want to read something isolated that you can just uh, enjoy as it is, yep. then I uh, definitely pick up Anderson: The Deep End, written by Alec Worley and art by Paul Davidson. Really good fun. Really enjoyed that. Hey, did you also enjoy Jimmy's Bastards Number One, written well, by Garth Ennis <laughs> and Russ Braun from Aftershock Comics, Siobhan? I am notorious for loving Garth Ennis and hating women. So yeah. <laughs> I loved this. I, wow. Just, ugh. like, just someone stop Garth Ennis. So, okay, I, I guess I do qualify, as, especially out of the two of us. I'm the Garth Ennis fan. But yeah, I'm not saying I hate everything he's ever done. I can't think of anything I, he's done that I like off the top <laughs> of my head. It's very, like, his stuff is aggressively, like, not for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... I, uh, there, but there, there, are, there are series that he puts out that just feels so lazy to me. Where yeah. it's like, it's honestly, it feels like someone fan fiction writing. What would it be like if Garth Ennis did a James Bond book? Yeah, and all of the themes, like you know, it's like so. Of course, this James Bond is extra gross to women, and yeah, and so Jimmy's bastards ref- refers to all of his bastard children that he's fostered over the years and and never never visited with the various women that he's. Fucked all over the world, James Bond style. Um, come to kill him. Why doesn't Why doesn't he just wear a condom? There are so many. There are so many issues that I have with this. A starting it off with like some Islamic terrorists is just like incredibly lazy. 
and shit and, and then shitty, shitty writing. Such broad try and takedowns of like millennials. So there's like a, a, a character, like the main bad guy he takes down is Theophilus Trigger, who just yells out like Trigger words. And it's like, it is, this is the laziest. <laughs> it is genuinely the laziest Garth Ennis villain of all time because he just shouts out like horrible things, which is what Garth Ennis does in his comics anyway. But this, there's no pretense on any level with it. It's just shouting like rape. Yeah. If you loved that awful Howard Chaykin comic last week, you'll love <laughs> Jimmy's Bastards number one. End of review. <laughs> um, a bit of Valiant now for Ray, the history of the Valiant universe number one by Raphael Roberts, Frances Portella and Andrew Dollhouse. Um, I was like, oh, cool. Now now I can finally learn who the fuck this Ray character is because I've not read many mm. uh, comics featuring him. The one I did was uh, set way too far in the future and delving way too deep in his lore that I yeah. just got lost and didn't understand what was going on. Uh, but this one maybe held my hand too much because this is the, the complete history of the Valiant universe, like just as a comic. Yeah. Um, it's, it's cool if you want a primer, I guess. Absolutely. But it doesn't really set anything up that's... Uh, you know, enticing me to keep reading. Um, however, it's only the beginning, and we are getting a. I guess are we getting a Ray book at some? So that, no, no. It says we're returning to four thousand one AD. So I guess War that's a Mother. Cool. I don't know. The art is awesome. Francis yeah, Portella. I sort of liked it because I do find I'm not I'm not all across the Valiant universe. So this is like a cool thing to be able to be like, oh, okay, now I understand how this all kind of fits together. Gave me a bit of a primer on a bunch of characters that I wasn't super familiar with in a like easy to read fashion yeah if you ever wanted a comic book based off a wikipedia article you'll love this (laughs) absolutely uh yeah imagine if wikipedia was all comics that would be better it would be expensive that would be expensive uh finally a number one from hard case crime which is the um crime uh little label that uh titan comics run uh we have uh, a comic by megan abbott allison galen steve scott and laverne kinzierski um normandy gold number one um, now these are kind of like hard boiled kind of crime comics told from told by women about women pretty much. Cool. Oh man, I'm annoyed I didn't read this. Yeah, you've you've really enjoyed these so far. I think I can't think yeah. of the other what the other ones are called. Um, but uh, this Pichu, one, I like that one. The art in this, which is by Steve Scott, is uh, is phenomenal. Really great pencil work, mm. character work. Um, but this is about. Um, two sisters. Um, one of them works in law for- enforcement, I think. Um, and the other one works in uh, in sex work. And nice. um, while on the phone to her, yeah yeah she's a sheriff. And while on the phone to her sister, she hears her sister killed by her be either a client or her boyfriend. Oh no! And then so she is trying to figure out where her sister was and who killed her. Um, and it was this is like probably my favorite of these um, hard case crime books. Even though I got lost towards the end when she starts taking on new identities. And uh, to trying to go undercover. Anyway. Sounds interesting. It's interesting. It sounds it's like kind of the um, plot of uh, Miss Don't Touch Me. Yep. Did you read that one? No. What's that one? Uh, it's like a European comics by like they, they call themselves like I can never say it properly. It's like Kirkusay something like that. It's good like that this, Lynn, um, Lynn is respons- re- responding to my hashtag <laughs> replace Lynn. Uh, by finding the most the noisiest tape dispenser that Kings owns. <laughs> Um, but don't, yeah. don't use that hashtag anymore, everybody. <laughs> Hashtag's over. Um, Miss Don't Touch Me is like this really, it's a really, really good European comic about a woman who is, um, her sister is a sex worker and she's killed. And so she delves into the world of sex work and becomes like 
this notorious dominatrix who will not be touched. Hence, Miss Don't Touch Me. Cool. It's really good. Check it out. Probably a little bit better than Normandy Gold, but if that was the book that you enjoyed, then check out Normandy Gold too. I might lend this to you now, Siobhan. Yeah, please. So uh, in a minute, we're going to be reviewing all of the regular books uh, from DC, Marvel, Image, and other publishers. Before we do that, just want to let you know that this week's episode of Serious Issues is brought to you by Geek Fuel. Uh, Geek Fuel is uh, like they, a mystery box company. You're aware of mystery boxes, right? They're like mother boxes, except full of cool stuff. Cool. I love mysteries and boxes. Um, and uh, Geek Fuel, basically once a month, they will ship you out a box that has at least $50 worth of value of uh, cool stuff inside of it for around $15 plus shipping and handling. It's Comic-Con in a box, what they say. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> no, but it's, way, it's, it's all the good parts of Comic-Con without, in a box. Without people. And without the smells. Oh my God, that is actually, actually, if I could go to a convention that was no people, I think I would enjoy it much more. Uh, so every single box has an exclusive t-shirt, a fully downloadable game, um, and a total of five to seven geeky items um, frequently featuring brands like Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Firefly, Star Trek, Harry Potter, South Park, etc., etc. Cool. Still getting Firefly stuff. I mean, maybe not. Maybe. I actually think there's a massive fan base for that. Totally. Also, how many? Of the, I think Harry Potter is the only thing that we said in that little list of... Uh, I guess South Park. Harry Potter and South Park are the only things that don't have cartoon, they don't have comic books named mm. after them. True. It's always seemed silly to me that they've never done Harry Potter comics. There are a lot of franchises like that. Yeah. Might, maybe we'll do an episode, a bonus episode, comics that should exist. <laughs> It'll be very long. Um, but uh, if that sounds amazing to you, and it should because it's a pretty great deal, um, and you would like to check out Geek Fuel, um, it's also a really great way to support Serious Issues, because uh, they've set up a special URL for you to use. Um, all Serious Issues listeners that sign up for Geek Fuel by visiting the uh, URL geekfuel.com slash Serious Issues, uh, you get a free gift of $10 or more value immediately just by clicking that link. Oh, that's pretty cool. So if you look on the show notes on, uh, on, your, on the podcast device that you're listening to right now, uh, you'll find a link there, or you can just remember it. It is uh, geekfuel.com slash Serious Issues. Please check it out and support those who would support us. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. Thanks so much to Geek Fuel for sponsoring this podcast and a couple ones in the future. Mm. Uh, now to a beloved segment that we call Roll the Dice for Marvel, Image, or DC. I've got a dice in my hand. If it rolls one to two, we talk about Marvel first. If it rolls three to four, we talk about DC first. If it rolls five to six, we talk about Image. And the first number up is one. So that's Marvel first. Sorry, Lynn. Sorry, Lynn. This is payback. Then we talk about Image. Then we talk about DC. You know what? Let's flip the script. I want to talk about DC first. They had a really good week. <laughs> and sometimes you can't rely on a dice to do the right thing. Oh, my God. Going... I don't know how I don't know how the community will feel about this going uh, against the dice. You know what? Fuck the community. Just <laughs> kidding. I love you, community. Continue to be there for me. <laughs> Every time I need you, um, so let's talk about DC because we, yeah. you know, we, we started off the episode by um, by reviewing the Forge Dark Days comic and saying, yep, you know, good. how good it was to see so many uh, DC old franchises come back, um, mm-hmm. little characters, little glimpses. Um, and I want to review a Young Animal comic off the bat, oh, cool. um, the second issue of Bug: The Adventures of Forager, uh, written, drawn, and coloured by Lee Alred, Michael Alred, and Laura Alred. Uh, it's a family, it's a family affair. affair. Damn it, Jinx. Uh, and uh, this this is a, a character that has existed. We uh, we claim yeah. that he may have been created. We got for, told. For, that we got told by our beloved Facebook group, which you can find and tell <laughs> us what we've gotten wrong. Facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast. We hit a thousand people. That's crazy. We hit a thousand people with our car. <laughs> but there's a thousand people in our Facebook group and you could be a thousand and forty two. So many of them don't listen to the podcast and it makes me laugh a lot. 
Um, thanks so much to the Weekly Planet for his, the, the Meso has plugged the Facebook group the last two episodes. Oh, that's and so I nice. Think of that's why we got a nice big spike. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> thanks for the spike, Weekly Planet. <laughs> The weekly spike, let's call that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, the second issue of Bug, The Adventures of Forager, this is uh, a very uh, you know beautiful tribute to Kirby. Mm-hmm. But also it feels just like Mike Alra doing Mad Men comics again, mm-hmm. um, except within the DC universe using whatever old franchises he wants. And uh, this issue featured uh, like the original Blue Beetle, the original Sandman, not the uh, Neil Gaiman character, but the... Uh, the pulp hero Sandman mm-hmm. uh, teaming up with the losers, the original losers in the World War in World War Two. It's not um, even Sandman though; it's just his sidekick, right? It's like Sandy, the boy wonder. Oh no! And then also you get oh, Sandman, there you go. Sorry, the purple and yellow guy. Damn it! Um, yeah, and uh, the, you have this like insane adventure that's all over the place, drawn and coloured beautifully. I mean, art is yeah, art's why you're getting this book, basically. Absolutely. But you also get a completely zany and over the top story that you know celebrates not just the legacy of Kirby but the legacy of, of DC. Yeah, some fun little corners of the DC universe are celebrated, like um, Nanda Parbat, which is where um, I mean, who who's there? I like the, the, the questions gone. The question, there. that's right. Question. Yeah, the question goes there to like um, train, etc. It's like just a mystical. It's like the mystical Tibet of the DCU. It's, yeah, the Iron Fist land. Uh, yeah, DC. exactly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so there, I thought this is a really, really fun issue. And it's knowing... It's not, this is one of those young animal books. It's not confusing. It's just insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're confused by it, you're reading it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> There's, it's, it's hard to follow. Not hard to follow. Like, you just don't want to concentrate too hard on following it and just enjoy the experience. I yeah. Think. And the jokes in it are really sweet and mm-hmm. fast and, and just goofy. It, it, yeah. It's, comics should be goofy every now Absolutely. and then. Absolutely. And this definitely is. This is definitely a goofy comic. Um, the other comic I want to shout out for giving us a little slice of uh, things I've missed Ooh, from the DC universe. I loved this. It was like an okay issue of Detective Comics, uh, issue 958, written by James Tinney and the Fourth, yes. um, with great art by our returning artist Alvaro Martinez. Questionable colours by um, Brad Anderson. I only say that. It looks, this is a great looking issue, but... Kate Kane is just like Casper White. Yeah, yeah. Is that a thing now? I, yeah, I think so. Is she? Like, okay, she's right. always been. I think like, that was a sort like, of Jow Williams. What's his name? J- I mean, like when she had the bat mask on, she, yeah. she her skin was white. But when but she was out of costume, was she, was she just. Even when she had like, yeah, like at party scenes and stuff, when she'd have like the sick, like really blunt bob, she was very, like, very, very pasty. She that looks does like seem she's be, made of porcelain. Yeah, it's the best. I love it. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Um, I also love Azrael's man bun in this. Yeah, definitely. That was actually, like, in terms of drawing characters and having them look like they are fashion humans who exist now, this was a really good job. Azrael has, like, little spectacles and looks like you could see him on the street. Yeah, but, like, kudos to this series for just chugging along. It's like one of the the few kind of uh, bi- like twice a month books that mm-hmm. just it's just like it just offers up endless adventure without really never really it never feels tired. It's just like oh wow we're doing a new thing again. It takes you a moment to get into what the new thing they're doing, and then by the end of the arc you're like oh that was good. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, we got a lot of setup in this issue. Um. And uh, I actually really enjoyed this issue. I liked all of the I liked the Azrael see I didn't um, like the story Azrael arc, stuff. and I liked the um the other. St- story going on at the same time as Bruce Wayne infiltrating a um, penguin-owned nightclub to talk to someone mysterious who we don't see until the final page. We know that they're a performer who's sold out their show. We know it's and a someone, she. 
who um but i didn't even i didn't guess like when you say that it's really obvious who it is but the whole way through i had no idea and it's someone who bruce has a history with and was a little bit nervous about seeing and you would think that i would be able to pick up on that one i'll allow you to spoil this one it was a tanner so yeah, we see just as like this weird kind of uh, linked to Azrael beast attacks the nightclub that um that Bruce is gambling inside of. Um, we see someone say backwards, "Get away!" or "Get heavy." Sorry, mm-hmm. "Get heavy." Um, and uh, who 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 else in the who in the, uh, the DCU knows how to speak backwards? Zatanna. And wearing a pretty classic version of the costume. It's most like the version of her costume from um, the Grant Morrison. Uh, Seven Soldiers of Victory run, I believe. And everyone knows that, like, canonically, her left boob is... Sorry, her right boob is much bigger <laughs> than her left one. Hey, look, that's a very normal thing for most <laughs> women. I would be totally down if that was a thing that they made happen for Zatanna. Um, so, yeah, it was a great, great reveal at the end. And, yeah. uh, and another that was like, yes, now we're getting Zatanna. That's the best. Yeah, yeah. I'm super into it if Zatanna's back. Because, like, come on, these are the parts of the DC universe that are fun. Bring back... Bring back Mr. Terrific and Zatanna. And I think it. I think James Tinney and the Fourth has done a great job balancing all of these, uh, all the female characters on the team, and and the art team, you know, never just you know draws them as sexily as they draw the male characters. Absolutely, there's no gross, you know, camera and, and like you know, hovering over like parts of the body that you know you, there's no butt shots yeah. you know, extensively or anything like that. And there's some really like there's and, a really the sweet moment between. Um, my my new favorite best friends in comics, Clayface and Cassandra Kane. Oh, I loved that. Where they're yeah. doing a, a scene from The Tempest. Ah, so cute. So wonderful. I love that. Um, did you take a crossword book to Shakespeare school? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did play Prospero in a version of The Tempest, who's the old man character. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you knew all of Clayface's lines. That yeah. You would have got, I was like, what is this old? That's is- one of my favorite bits. It was so sweet. It took me like two panels to realize they were doing a play because yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Why is there an old man talking to, <laughs> to Cass? I, <laughs> I loved it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Zatanna is a character that um, is either like way too pervy or the best. Yeah. And I think we're going to get a the best version of her. Yeah. I really love this issue. This was like a return to form for me for the series. Yeah. Agreed. Um, agreed, apparently. Nice. I, I may, may have said yeah, I you said like you didn't it, like it. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 22. Uh, this is Fracture Part 1, the, a new story in this um, team up between green la- lanterns, both green and yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the only thing I like about this issue is, um, again, our boy, Guy Gardner. Yeah. And his uh, his bromance with... Uh, Arkillo. Arkillo from the Yellow Lanterns. They're just friends now, and I love it. And they're like they're like the, 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 the good lanterns that all other lanterns compare themselves their friendships to. And like, yeah. We, we, we've got to be pals with these Yellow Lanterns. Look at Guy and Ark. Um, but uh, it sets up... Just a dumb mystery. That um, is whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I'm still going to read this. It's still, yeah. it's still really fun and mindless. But uh, every now and then, it just kind of serves you a, a big slicer. Who gives a shit? Absolutely. And comics can do that sometimes. It's fine. It's the beauty of bi-monthly comics. Uh, there was a crossover this week between um, Action Comics and Suicide Squad, but that wasn't. It wasn't really explicitly a crossover. Like they both. It was. It was two events from two different points of view that you didn't really need to read the other one to to get the full story of it was enough um, enough to, if you just read each series but I read both nice. and uh, I really enjoyed both of them basically it was uh, uh, Zod uh, escaping from Suicide Squad after bl- eye blasting his bomb his uh, kryptonite bomb out of his head uh, in a very gruesome manner horrible um, and then uh, yeah Superman 
and uh, the new team of uh, bad guys that have teamed up to uh, try and take him down, namely Cyborg, Superman, and the Eradicator, uh, trying to break Zod out um, while Superman tries to stop him. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought this is this is like really really good. Both these comics are the, kind of like the best they've ever been, I think. Um, although this ends with like one of like the goof, the action comics in particular ends with an extremely goofy moment. Um, you know, like when you just have like the the classic um, comic book the realization cliffhanger mm. where it's like no one like usually a cliffhanger is like someone going like who invited me to the party yeah. or like someone getting like a, a a sword through the back or something like yeah. that this is just superman staring at the camera saying i can't see i'm blind great i love that <laughs> um but before he goes blind we see the rallying um as uh, as he battles uh two very overpowered bad guys um three overpowered bad guys the team up of zod um, Eradicator and Cyborg Superman. We see all of the other Supermen uh, in the world. So Superwoman, um, Lex Luthor, um, new Superman in China. More on him later. Cool. Um, all kind of go like, oh, I better go help. So nice. hopefully the next action comic is going to be all them teaming up. Oh, that's fun. Very fun. Hmm. And then uh, over in Suicide Squad, um, we saw all the Suicide Squad guys basically team up to try and take down the uh, Zod's link to the Phantom Zone. Um, and one of the characters sacrificed themselves, and now the Suicide Squad needs to find a new leader. Whoa. And you can guess who sacrificed themselves. Rick? Yeah. Ah. So if you've been reading this... Seems this, like the only run, one who would. Well, no, there are so many people that have died in this in this ah. comic. So Amanda Waller has died and come back. Harvey Quinn has taken a bullet to the heart and come back. Um, Harvey Quinn? What did I say? Oh, Harley Quinn. I Harvey Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who the fuck's that? <laughs> um... Uh, Captain Boomerang died and came back. Like, Great. This, this, this book just loves wow. killing them and bringing them back a couple of issues later. That's pretty fun. It's fun. Comics should do that. Absolutely. Um, new Superman. I mentioned him earlier. Here he is in issue 12 form. Uh, the Zero Ultimatum, uh, which is basically um, we learn the roots of this the Chinese Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is significantly older than they thought she was. She's a snake. And a snake. <laughs> that was sick. I love that. I like this combination of like really mythical sort of stuff um, with kind of DC universe stuff. I think well, yeah, that's heaps good fun. You know, the, um, uh, Gene Luen Yang, uh, the writer of uh, of New Superman, you know, he, he that American-born Chinese book he mm-hmm. did years ago, um, some of the best parts of it were when he told the story of the Monkey King. Yeah. Um, so, he, you know, he, he's great at telling old Chinese proverbs and stories and then, and then bringing them into his comics. And that's exactly what we see here. Um, except like, you know, it's like a suit. He brings it into superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think this is a great issue. This is a really, like this it's is a really I, fun series. I'm going to say another book is the most underrated rebirth book, but maybe this is the most. Uh, Possibly. Rebirth, it's rebirth. definitely, it's definitely underrated. And it had a really fun, like Darth Vader moment at the end. Yes. Which was um good fun. And I wasn't expecting. Yeah, me too. So enjoyable. even though I feel like they've implicitly said that, that, yeah, that, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, that was still a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Billy Tan is doing great work on art as well too. Yep, great, great book, really good book. I love it. Um, Sorry, oh, we took we took we took our time getting to this. This is my favorite DC book of the week, and maybe yeah. my favorite comics of the week. Uh, Wonder Woman issue twenty four, the finale of the God Watch. What's it? The epilogue of the God Watch arc, and the second last issue from Greg Rucker's long and fantastic run. Uh, how good is Bill Quist, Everly? I was going to say, holy fuck. Yeah. This is like, she immediately, she's like elevated to one of my favorite artists of the year with this issue. Absolutely. Um, she draws Diana's hair like no one's business. Yeah. So we see uh, Diana and Dr. Kale return from um, Themyscira. Both of them have had to leave things behind. And um, we also see um, uh, Cheetah mm-hmm. um, kind of embrace the, the, the wild evil side of her mm-hmm. instead of the human side. 
um, this book, this book image was like, sorry, this, this whole issue was like just a, a really, really great gut punch of an issue that kind of, you know, normally an epilogue is just like everything wrapping up into a neat little bow. This just, you know, for having one issue left, it's just leaving a lot of things open. Um, and uh, there is an unbelievable fight scene between, between uh, Wonder Woman and, uh, and Cheetah that my mm-hmm. favorite, that was my favorite panel of the week um, of just Wonder Woman, like just kicking just Cheetah booting in, her into a wall it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Bilkis Everly um, draws can draw like really horrific, violent scenes and then really beautiful uh, still scenes too. And you really feel like like this version of Cheetah is so vicious. Yeah, vicious and really distressing in a lot of ways because we've seen her go from what she was to who she is now, um, and and the violence is so visceral. Um, I think she did a really great job of expressing that. Yeah, so we have a, a panel of the week competition up mm-hmm. on our Facebook group, which you can find facebook.com slash group slash serious issues podcast. And every week we submit a panel from uh, from our favorite book that week. I've literally never done it. You've never done it. You don't have, you th- she hates all panels. I hate them all. Um, and uh, I think this week, well, I mean, I put up a, a really funny, actually all, all, all the panels were, that won were Nick Spencer written Marvel <laughs> jokes. Oh, gosh. Titan of Secret Empire. There were some very good ones, so we'll get to them later in the... Uh, in the episode, but uh, I was—I I fully thought that the, uh, a panel from this Wonder Woman issue was going to win because it was just so, so such incredible art in this mm, book. Absolutely, definitely. Um, this is one one <laughs> issue away from being completely over. Everyone who hasn't read it should just do themselves a favor and have the best weekend ever reading it all in one hit. That would be heaps fun. Um, finally, from DC, <laughs> I read Red Hood and the Outlaws, um, the finale of the Who Is Artemis arc. This is the team up of Red Hood, Artemis, and Bizarro, written by Scott Lobdell, with um, art by Dexter Soy. Um, this is such a good book, and I, I, I was going to say this is like the most underrated uh, Rebirth DC book. Mm. Probably this and New Superman are the, are the, th- the two that I never hear anyone talk about. But mm. this just this book has for a Lobdell book, and I, I've not enjoyed a Lobdell book since the nineties. This is like really, really good. And he explores the characters really well and evenly, and introduces new things about them without like kind of you know. I mean, I guess Jason Todd's the only one you really have any connection to, but he doesn't betray what you know of that character. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, this arc in particular, which is a kind of brought back a character from Artemis's past, and not only did it prove give a situation for Bizarro to prove what a hero he is, it also explored Artemis's history while being set in the town that Red Hood, sorry, that, that Jason Todd was killed in, in Death oh. of the Family. And I just think that is such an expertly balanced story mm. for, for this book to be tackling and, and far more like interesting than I thought Lobdell is ever capable of in his lifetime. Mm. Yeah, that actually sounds really, really good. I was reading um, some old Scott Lobdell um, penned X-Men issues last night because uh-huh. um, my boyfriend is obsessed with the 90s. X-Men, um, the sort of Jim Lee run. And so he was showing me specific panels that he remembered and stuff like that. Um, but it was really fun. It was really good and it was really hilarious. And I was like, oh, man. Because, yeah, Nate, Nate's favorite run ever is the, the, all the Jim Lee yeah. X-Men book. Um, he thinks it's the best It's the, It's the the best that comics can be. Which is <laughs> <laughs> <Just> great. Which is <laughs> hilarious. Um, so you didn't read – I'm pretty sure that this was, like, late – and we just got shipped. Yeah, there were two team. issues of, of Flash that arrived in my box, and I just decided oh, right, instead okay. of trying to read both of them, I'd read neither. Oh, well, good call. Well, I read 24. It was pretty good. 
I won't talk about it much more. Um, I also read Gotham Academy Second Semester Issue 10. I think we've just found out that this series is ending, which is pretty sad, because um, I think it probably has a pretty loyal following. It, it, it's, it's a nice series because it doesn't fit in with the rest of the DC universe. You don't yep. have to be reading anything else. I think it's a great one for, like, teens. Um, and now we're finally getting to see some of the things which have been sort of hinted to us from the very, very beginning come to fruition, especially with our um, main character, Olive, and her sort of past and her kind of family curse. And I think it's really, really good, and I'll be sad to see this one go, and I hope the characters stick around in the main DC universe. Um, I also read Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, issue 11. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns which I really enjoy this book. Um, I'd love to hear if anyone else is reading it and yeah, enjoying I just, it. Yeah, I just didn't, did, yeah. didn't click with me after a while. I gave, I gave it an arc and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Um, they've brought in, we, we're finally finding out the sort of secret history of our new Oracle. Um, didn't we already learn that? Well, it's very calculator-based. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so they brought the calculator back in as a villain, which is good fun. Um, and I like where this next arc looks like it's going. I think it's, I think it's pretty enjoyable. For those who don't unaware of the character, the calculator is a sentient calculator. He is with, just um, with yeah. arms. He's just a big calculator. It's like um, uh, what's that Marvel villain where he's Arnim Zola, yeah, but um, a calculator. calculator. And his secret power is that he can write boobies. Yeah, it's pretty good. Anyway, um, I enjoy this series. Let me know good if you're also enjoying it. Top riff. <laughs> Um, I also read Supergirl issue 10 and the only reason I'm reading this series is because someone told me that like the stuff with um, Satin Girl Satin Girl is going to like be first revealed in this series and for those who aren't familiar with that character yet. Satin Girl is a girl entirely made of satin no she's just a big walking satin oh yeah with satin legs. with legs <laughs> <laughs> like Mogo but with legs um, no she's a legionnaire and so this current story arc is like a crossover between, um, well, it's not really a crossover because it only exists in this book, but it's got Batgirl in it. Batgirl and Supergirl are trapped in the Phantom Zone, and it is fine. Cool. Fine comics. The best kind. Absolutely. And now we get to Image. I got three Image books. How many you got? I got two. Such a little week. Little week. 
Um, I think they had a massive week, like, like the last two weeks. Yeah. So, you know, they, they got to take a break. Give they a got on holiday. Give a break. Um, so we got the third issue of Black Cow, Cloud, Black Cloud, Black, Black Cow, uh, by Jason Latour, Ivan Brandon, Greg Hinkle, and Matt Wilson. An incredible creative team making one of the most confusing books <laughs> that comes out month to month. But I find it, again, confusing in a really enjoyable way. I think it's one of those ones that, like, if you think about it too... I thought, and also, like, I mean, it, it sort of makes sense. They're just not, like being really explicit with what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you, when when a book is like this, where it mm. gives you like vague plots, it jumps around a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I do enjoy them, but do you expect some kind of payoff where they do reveal what's been happening or, or an end point? Or are you satisfied when, when it gives you a, a, an ending as vague as the, uh, as the middle? Um, it depends how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> like with this, I'd be, I'd be kind of okay if it, didn't go that much more into detail because um, I'm quite enjoying the ride. And I think there's enough in there for me to sort of be able to a little bit. And I think they're revealing more as we go. Like we're learning more and more about this main character um, in this issue in um, a way that I found very satisfying. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess it's just the, a, lot of, a lot of very few things are explained in this book. Yeah. And that was um, something that, that uh, Latour hinted at in that um, the Southern Romance book he did, whatever that was called. That four issue yep. thing. Which I totally can't remember the name of. And now. I was relying so on your other things. Um, but uh, he's, you know, he's really taking it to the to the nth level. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, like you said, it's still very enjoyable. Um, lots of crazy and kooky, world jumpy bullshit happens. Great, like um, sort of design and like world building, and yeah, I love it. But I would compare this to God Shaper um, in a way. Um, and we can talk about that later. I think that God Shaper. One thing that I was thinking about God Shaper this week. I'll say it and then we can come back and talk about it later. But I think that it is sometimes a little bit too exposition-y and hand-holdy in its explanation of its universe. Sure. Anyway. Comics, guys. Comics. They're different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The second issue of Regression came out by Cullen Bunn, Danny Luckett, and Marie Enger. Cullen Bunn has another new series starting over at Aftershock in uh, a couple of weeks. Good Lord. And that will make it his 14th new new number one. Is it too many? 2016 started. Does he need to pause? He's almost putting out as many number ones as Marvel, and he's just one person. <laughs> Thanks to Connor for working that out for me too. <laughs> uh, regression. This is the book about the uh, man who uh, has visions of bugs, and then there's like a weird dark underground related to bugs and demons mm-hmm. and all kinds of shit. There was and his, a- his evil past lives seem to be literally haunting him. Yeah. Um, this is a another like a, you know a, a fun dark quite gross mm. book and there's a lot, a lot about like kind of sexual urges mm-hmm. and um it's fun right yeah i like it yeah it's like it's another book that i'm like oh this is horrible but i like it a lot and the art's really nice speaking of which plastic issue three comes out yes. next week my favorite book to be disgusted by <laughs> there's some great pin-ups at the back of this one too yeah um, yeah really good fun i like this book a lot bugs. and i like the mystery it's kind of um it's very engaging and the protagonist isn't isn't someone that you see often in, in a book like this. Totally. Yeah. Good book. Hmm. Uh, I also read uh, Manifest Destiny, issue number 29. Um, this is written by Chris Dingus, Matthew Roberts, and Owen Gianni um, about, um, oh God, I always forget it. Burke and Wills? No, that's the Australian ones. <laughs> yeah, I did it again. I always say that. I always say it again. Damn it. <laughs> the ones who the American w- explorers. went around with Sacagawea. That's the only thing I can remember. Um, yeah. And uh, so she's in it. She's pregnant. 
um, and uh, every, as they make their journey from one side of America to the other. Um, She's still pregnant. Well, maybe not after this episode issue. Oh gosh. Um, so m- maybe she'll give birth to her baby the same same month that you, that you do. Wouldn't that same be fun? Day. Um, but yeah, as they as they make their way from one side of America to the other, they become um, you know killed, taken down, thwarted by mm-hmm. uh, all these kind of crazy monsters. Um, they find uh, in the middle of America, which is very fun. Uh, except now they're encountering this fog that allows them that, that basically causes all of all of the soldiers and settlers and uh, to kind of see visions from their past and um, monsters far worse than the ones they've actually encountered. And um, it's up to basically um, the two sane members of the party to try and convince everybody that that they're fine. Um, I don't. I think I liked it more when it was just monsters. Mm. Like this, like cloud of gas. It's like it's it's an interesting idea, and I'm glad they explored it. But I would just like it to these like that was the coolest thing about it was like these insane monsters and learning the backstory of what these monsters have been doing before, before man came. Clouds of gas are never good villains. That's true. As Fantastic a, Four um, movie. The Fantastic Four movie, the um, Inhumans versus X Men. Yep, it never works out, guys. The list continues. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, Inhumans versus X Men. That's published by Marvel. And that's the last <laughs> publisher we're going to review all the that issues was of. very slick. Beautiful segue. Um, we actually forgot a number one earlier. Oh, it really? doesn't really count. Oh, I also didn't read it. Well, I, I, flicked, through, I flicked through it. The Vision was an incredible book by um, by Tom King, Gabrielle Walter, and uh, Jody Belair. And um, it was 12 issues. It was brilliant. And now they are collecting two issues at a time. Not three, as I said last week. And uh, releasing it with a whole bunch of back meta Um as the director's cut version. So I would only recommend this if you have not read the series or maybe you read it digitally Mm -hmm. or you weren't able to find all the issues. Mm -hmm. This is a great way to get it all complete. Um, What's, what's the bonus? Like what is the bonus is like the script. Oh, okay. The bone, the the kind of the, the coolest bonus thing you get, you know, some sketches and that kind of thing. But to be honest, they don't look too far from Gabrielle Walter's finished artwork. Mm. Um, But there is a, um, like, He's written kind of like his synopsis for the for the um for the show in which he for the, oh, okay. for the for the series in which he he describes it as um the visions is Breaking Bad meets The Incredibles, hmm. which I thought was cool. That's um, fun. but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that Back Matter um is worthy of the massive price tag six ninety nine for two a, issues. If it's two issues, that's yeah, not bad. Yeah, you're right, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would rather just put it all together in one deluxe hardcover or something. That would be nice. So they'll probably do that next, <laughs> and I'll, I'll get that one too. <laughs> um, so what should, what Marvel books should we talk about I mean, first? Should we talk about all the X books? Because I feel like it was a pretty good X week. Yeah, it was also a really big uh, Secret Empire week too. Mm. In fact, and, and, and there were two tie-ins that I actually really enjoyed. Mm. Um, but uh, let's do your X book stuff. Um, so we had... Is Generation X coming out weekly? Feels like it doesn't bi-weekly. It? I don't know. Either way, it's a lot of Generation X, but I'm quite enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll kick it off with Generation X. Um, so this is written by Christina Strain with art by um, Amil, Amil Carpina and Roberto Poggi with colors by Philippe Sobrero and Nolan Woodard. Um, and this is like some real Z-list um, X characters like Nature Girl and iBoy and... <laughs> um, so, you know, people that you've never heard of before. And the dude that has, like, a flame mouth. Yep. What's his name again? I don't know you ever call him Jono. Yeah, I don't know. I, can't, I can never remember Cauldron. Cauldron. Yeah, is that is it? it? Yeah, I, I think don't so. Know. Um, 
but I, I I enjoy this book. I think it's good fun. Yeah, the, the art is is standout, and they're finally mm-hmm. they've finally made Quentin Choir less of a dick. Yeah, and um, he's, he's quite quite enjoyable. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is what. Thank you for leading with this X book because we clearly have so much to say on it. Yeah, I think that's sorry. a problem when they come out every fucking week. It's yeah. like, what, what more can I say about this? I but, just like I was just mostly like, you know what? This was actually a pretty good week for X Men, in which like I feel like we haven't had that much. I well, recently. I didn't, I didn't love X Men Blue, Colin Bunn, um, uh, Julian Lopez, and Corey Smith uh, doing the time displaced original X Men mm-hmm. book. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. But I didn't hate it, which yeah. I feel like is a step up. And it, and it wrapped up the weird other otherworldly thing. I guess it was kind of cool where Jean Grey goes head to head with another telepath who's like an alternate version of a sexy female, Mister Sinister. Yeah, that was and fun. now they have a Wolverine on their team. Yeah, which is great. Sure, it was great. It felt <laughs> this photo. It, just, it felt like by the numbers X Men, but I guess a lot of people complain that that had been missing. So yeah, you know, it's good exactly. that it exists. Um, I also read Weapon X, which mm-hmm. you don't know, read, um, yep. which is the final issue of the prelude to Weapons of Mutant Destruction, which has been like a crossover um, between Weapon X and the totally awesome Hulk. I, am I like? Am I probably the only person reading both those series? The it only seems person. that way. There's no other person in the world. The only- <laughs> and if you are, don't write in. Don't. I forbid it. <laughs> um, but this is all about Weapon X, who are. Uh, who are trying I thought to... you just said who are. <laughs> no, I literally did. And I didn't intend to. I'm sorry. Um, but so they've been making new new Weapon X creations, which um, have all of the various powers of, like, various Weapon X characters. So, like, Domino, um, Warpath, Lady Deathstrike, all of your favorites. It's so um, funny. Like, I guess this is the equivalent of, like, you know, us going, like, oh, it's so good to see Mr. Terrific and, and Mr. Miracle and... Uh, and uh, you know, when 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 you bring back a bunch of X X characters, I know there are is an audience that's like yes, yeah. But that, this 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 line does nothing for me. Right, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but I I quite enjoyed it, and I'm I'm actually quite looking forward to this um, weapons of mutant destruction because it's um we find out in this issue who's the bad guy behind this version of Weapon X, and guys, it's Reverend Striker. That's crazy. Striker, he's never done anything bad to the mutants before. <laughs> I can't wait to see what he has planned. The last suspect I'd ever pick. I liked it. Um, we also got the latest issue of All New Wolverine by Tom Taylor, Lena Kirk, um, Corey Hampshire, and Terry Pallet. Um, this is part three of three, the immune storyline, in which um, Wolverine is the only uh, person who can save, or basically, because like, she, she has a healing ability after an alien virus infects all of uh, Rhode Island? Somewhere. Somewhere in... Quarantine. Uh, Roosevelt Island. Sorry. Uh uh, because she basically has to um, touch the, the thousands upon thousands mm-hmm. of uh, people stranded on, on this island to cure them. Um, and they bring in all the other healer characters that they can. So Old Man Logan, Deadpool, um, De- uh, Wolverine's Dakin. son, Deacon, and Gabby all help out. And uh, what was really enjoyable about this is, is that it was, you know, the, the Wolverine books always talk about, you know, like, yes, we save people, but at what cost? Look how many people will die mm for them to, to, to save others. Um, and this was them just saving people with their mm-hmm. power, using their powers to save people without without getting their claws out once. Yeah. And um, I thought, you know, that, that was a really, really nice, 
nice way for this 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 arc to end. And, yeah, uh, agreed. Some fucked up shit has happened to poor old Wolverine, and I wonder what's going to happen in the next issue. Yeah, I'm looking. I, I sort of feel like this was a like this wasn't the most thrilling story arc of all time, but it was very sweet. Um, I'm kind of glad that it's over, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next. Yeah, they've brought in a lot of characters because you have like you know you have all the scientists working together, which includes like Beast and Wasp and yeah. countless others. Mockingbird just wearing her feminist T-shirt in the background How at all times. That, that t-shirt has been popping up a lot in the Marvel U lately. Yeah, it really has, huh? <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it did, and you've got Ironheart there, and there's so many characters. But, mm. it, yeah, it, it, I think it did end on a really nice note. Mm. Um, finally, from the X universe, I read Old Man Logan at number 25. No way. Well, so a lot of people complained that the only, like, you know, we read every single Marvel book except Old Man Logan, <laughs> the, the beloved uh, Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino run. Um, and that's just because it's, it started before we started the podcast and we mm. never caught up. Um, and I guess maybe one day we will go back and reread it and, and realize that we were dummies, but sorry guys, you know, we can't read everything. Um, but Old Man Logan now has a new creative team in Ed Brisson and Mike Diodato. Oh, interesting. Uh, I so I thought I, would, I thought I'd pick it up and Mike Diodato's art is, is very strong, but Old Man Logan, uh, originally was mm. a Mark Millar Wolverine story in mm-hmm. which, uh, in, in, a, in a different version of the universe it's set in the future, um, Wolverine is an old man who loses his children uh, to a like power hungry Hulk and his awful kids who kind of rule the world. Mm-hmm. And um, this is it, that, that the story is just about Wolverine plotting his revenge on the Hulk and his stupid children. Uh, in this issue. Because you know that that version of Wolverine has made his way over to the current Marvel universe. Guess who else has Siobhan? Who Hulk's disgusting children from oh, the original Old Man goodness. Logan run. And so this is uh is basically like they, they ambush Wolverine. Oh, sorry, Old, old Man Logan, and uh, he has to kill a bunch of Hulk kids. But they're not the only Hulk kids in this universe. Maestro is there too. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty. Great. I'm. I, this is not a very for me book, but mm. uh, I may give it another issue. See where he's going. Ed Brisson has done very little to convince me that he's someone to keep following at Marvel. Mm. I feel like I've dropped every one of his books two issues in. What else was he writing? Iron Fist. Oh yeah. And another one that I forgot because <laughs> I dropped it. Fair. Um. So uh, Kingpin. Issue number five is the final issue, uh, written by Matt Rosenberg and Ben Torres on art with colors by Jordan Boyd. This was uh, a great little series um, in which uh, a, a regular writer um, is she's asked to write Kingpin's memoirs, and her life gets turned upside down just by, by being connected to the Kingpin and um, and kind of trying to figure out if he's a good guy at heart or if he's just the worst. Turns out, guys, he's the worst. Turns out both. Right? Is he the worst? I don't know. Mm, I think he's pretty much the worst. Yeah. Um, so this ends at five. Um, and, you know, you could say, oh, cool, that's the end of the miniseries, you know, that they that they commissioned. But apparently uh, this has been cancelled and Rosenberg had another arc left. Oh, that's disappointing. Because this is a really, a really great realised, you know, protagonist yeah. in, in the writer character and the best version of Kingpin that I think we've ever seen in a comic, right? Definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that's good about this is that it didn't read that way. It didn't read like it was cancelled. Like, this felt like a satisfying ending yeah. to this series. And it ends um, it ends quite vaguely where, you know, you could definitely see this character being used again in the future. Yeah. Um, and it definitely told a very interesting story of, you know, like, you know, do, do you trust a criminal or do you run for your life? Mm. Um, I, I, I'm just, I just want to point out, like, you know, a lot of people point out things that are, that, that, that you know, Marvel need to stop doing. And I think mm. the the biggest thing for me is 
continually just doing these, just basically like, you know, throwing everything they have at the wall and doing num- like, you know, mini series for every single character and not, l- not letting them live for as long as they should to, you know, really find their feet. Yeah. Like DC have finally like, you know, quotation marks cancelled a book. Mm. I mean, maybe, maybe they have with, uh, well, sorry, this is special guest. <laughs> Have a look. Yeah, cool. Siri, special guest Siri. I don't know what I said that. Uh, yeah, that was insane. <laughs> um, but uh, DC have just finally, like, you know, the first official cancellation is All Star Batman, but obviously right. they didn't cancel that. It's just Scott Snyder saying, I'm, can't, can't be fucked coming up with more stories. I want mm. to write about metal. Yeah. Um, but uh, Marvel just, you know, they, they, they don't let anything live. And I feel like a, a book like New Superman wouldn't have lasted longer than five issues over at Marvel. No, absolutely not. Um, I just, you know, I think, I think if if, they, if you want to compliment DC for anything, definitely that's like, you know, them having faith in the creative teams to tell their stories, yeah, and let let books find their audience for over a good amount of issues. Like, I think that almost all their books have surpassed the twelve issue mark now, and Marvel can't say that for like half their books. Yeah, and it's just also like. <sighs> it's just disappointing. It doesn't. It doesn't work. You know, like to stop. We didn't need, like, three different Rocket Raccoon series this year. Like, give us one with a consistent creative team that you actually back. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's baffling. Um, but, look, I hope Rosenberg hasn't been too put off by, uh, by, by you know, this Kingpin book being cancelled. We love what he's doing over at Secret Warriors. In fact, mm-hmm. we're going to review another issue of that later mm-hmm. today. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hope he sticks around Marvel or, or, you know, just continues writing comics somewhere because he's very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. And I'd love to see um, Ben Torres do more because i really enjoyed his art on this book yeah and it got better and better i think yeah great yeah anyway speaking of uh things that marvel has no problem with doing and that's events hey, all right. secret empire number four written by nick spencer we get an artist change up uh we have Lionel francis you show up to do this issue um which is a bummer because i was really enjoying andrea sorrentino's art yeah same i mean not, not to say that uh you know uh you is no slouch yeah you is no slouch. <laughs> uh, um, but, but it's uh, also like, I think it's you at his most rushed. Yeah, definitely. It feels that way. Also, I think we have some uncredited panels by um, Gabrielle Walter at the start of this as well. That, like, tell me those first few, after, after the title page, mm. uh, I guess it's like, I don't know, pages like 7 to 12 or something like that, where you have um, Black Widow interrogating the Hydra. Mm. It looks like Gabrielle Walter, right? It does. It doesn't look like Leon Yu, and it doesn't look like Rod Reyes. It does a little bit. It looks like on the on the inks or something. Hmm, very interesting. Very yeah, weird. Very interesting. Anyway, Secret Empire um, has become now less about Hydra versus non Hydra. Mm. We have this in- insane issue where um, both sides sit down to dinner with um, the Hank, Hank, Pym, Hank Ultron. Pym Ultron, and this like really out of nowhere yelling match between him and the AI version of, of Tony Stark yeah. happens in which he brings up that like nothing's been the same since Hank Pym punched Hit Jan. Jan. <laughs> but it's like, it's that, I, I get that like, like, like hitting women in all circumstances is fucking awful. But how many times, like, if, they, if they want to keep using this character, how many times do you keep bringing that up? Absolutely. Hasn't he like rectified, hasn't he like, done his penance for this yeah and like haven't all of these other characters done things also that are terrible in their lives and also like just it is too far for me to suspend 
<laughs> disbelief that a group of powerful men would sit around and be like, you know what? We just can't talk to you since you hit your wife that one time because that's not what ever happens in the fucking world. Also, it's not two men. It's it's two robots. So yeah. It's like Ultron. <laughs> it's Ultron and the AI version yeah. of Tony Stark. And I, I, I've, I don't understand. Like, I think the AI version of Tony Stark works really well in the Ironheart series where mm-hmm. he's like this guiding kind of, you know, like essentially he is AI. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's an OSX unit that's like guiding her, trying to teach her to be a better hero. That mm. works. When he's just, he just is Tony Stark. Yeah. But he's blue. Yeah. And uh, I hate the whole thing of like, he's tweaked his like AI to make him drunk all the time. Like what? Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a stupid thing, guys. And it's just, it just seems really unnecessary to an already very convoluted story to, yeah. to add all this extra stuff. And now it's, it's like... Instead of like trying to infiltrate Hydra and bring them down, which I think would could have made for a really great series, and who knows that maybe that's what Black Widow is still going to do with her team. Mm. It's like the underground versus Hydra MacGuffin hunt, mm. in which they're just searching the Marvel universe for little pieces of cosmic cube fragments. Yep. Turns out Hank Pym has one. Yeah, and he gave it to the underground, but then Namor had one, and he gave it to um, Cap. So. Even Steven so far. Yeah, in and the also MacGuffin Hunt. The uh, aforementioned uh, X Men tie-in book that we talked about at the beginning, the Secret Empire, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it's called. We learn someone else in that book has has one of the comic cosmic cube, cube fragments too. So obviously we'll see that come oh, into yeah. play too. Another reason to read that one. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm still enjoying this. It's rollicking along, but that extended dinner scene it was very bizarre. And it's not what I would expect from event. He's, yeah. he's trying to outbend as Bendis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Anyway, um, but there were some great tie-ins to um, to Secret Empire, which it just seems weird. I mean, the best of them of a lot is the Secret Warriors mm-hmm. um, series, which is written by uh, Matt Rosenberg with art by um, Javier Garon um, and uh, colors great by... Great covers by our boy Treadmore. Treadmore's killing it on the covers, but also there's great colors by Israel Silva. Mm-hmm. And of course, Matt Wilson does the colors on the aforementioned great covers. Um, so this is the kind of like team of Inhumans that are uh, kind of gone rogue. Um, most mm-hmm. of the Inhumans are in space, but these, this this great team of mismatched heroes, including Quake, Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur, Ms. Marvel, Inferno, Karnak. Um, it's just a you know, nonstop barrel of laughs in this very serious version of America. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just think it's, it's really well balanced and, and well written. It's, it's so fun to, to, to read through. This sees them uh, in the uh, in the X-Men um, country what's what's their country called new tian something new, like new that tian, yeah and um also like th- it just has like i love that all inhumans just hate x-men yeah for like reasons that like a reader would hate x-men like all the different timelines and different versions of themselves that yeah. are in the world um that's and really the X-Men really fun hate the inhumans for having that cloud that almost killed them all yeah that's right also fair makes enough sense. Um, yeah, I thought this was a, just a really, really fun, fun issue. And this is probably like the best thing to come out of Secret Empire overall for me. Absolutely. Really good fun. Really, like, A, they bring in one of my favorite um, Marvel characters, Dark Beast. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good fun. I like that there's three versions of Beast running around. That's not <laughs> needlessly confusing at all, but this actually makes good use of them. Um, and I also like this Quake, like this version of Quake. Yeah. Which is not a character that I've ever had any interest in. So Daisy. good job, Rosenberg. Daisy Johnson. Me, like, you should read Hickman and Bendis' Secret Warriors run. It's really good. I should, shouldn't I? It's like only Bendis for four issues and Hickman just takes over and goes full Hickman with it. That sounds way better. Um, so my favorite like tie-in this week, though, was Deadpool. Um, this is uh, Jerry Duggan and uh, Matteo Lolli on art. Um, 
and uh, inks by Christian Dalla Vecchia, colors by Ruth Redmond. So Deadpool, I read two weeks ago, um, where he's given a, a mission to take out Phil Coulson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, he, he, he goes through with the mission because he's given it by Captain America, who's someone that he's idolized his entire life. So where a lot of other heroes have been tricked into um, following Captain America on his new uh, Hydra vision, uh, Deadpool does it because he's kind of used to you know following he, you know he's, he's a merc yeah so so he's used to just being given missions and following them out and he respects captain america and so he does it um, i've not been reading deadpool until the last month so he has a kid now did you know that nope. um he has a kid now and the kid uh is really hating her life at uh, her new school baron zemo's school for superior students hilarious and um this is basically kind of where everything... So, like, you know, um, Deadpool's been sent to try and find Hawkeye and all the undercover Avengers. Mm-hmm. And um, this is where everything comes crumbling down and he realizes that he's on the wrong side of this. Oh, cool. um, And I just thought this is an awesome issue with um, hilarious... Like, really, really... Like, he refuses to say Hail, Hail Hydra. Um, so, at one point, he says Kale Hydra. Like, Great. Just, like, goofy moments like that that I thought were really funny. Uh, he fights Speedball at one point. Great. Um, and uh, the best laugh that I had all week is actually the cover for the next one. Um, and it's uh, her, him at the princ- with the principal at his daughter's school, um, which is a Hydra school. And there's a big sign that says, Miss One Detention, two more will take its place. <laughs> It didn't make me laugh. It's awesome. I, That's really good. I, I just think, like, I think this this is a book that both of, I, I, I don't know. I, I, if you have, if you've never given Deadpool a go and you're reading The Secret Empire, mm. definitely pick up these tie-in issues, and I reckon they'll probably make a Deadpool fan out of you. Yeah, I feel like I should be reading that. Uh, yeah, Duggan. Too much to read, guys. Duggan absolutely kills it. Yeah, it's really really good. I, I, I think Jerry Duggan's such a good writer over at Marvel. Um, another tie-in was Sam Wilson Captain America, um, which kind of fills the gaps um, between. Uh, like the, ish- the the Secret Empire issues in which we see um, Ant-Man and all those guys go to enlist Sam Wilson to help them uh, smuggle them, smuggle all the heroes into uh, uh, Hank Pym's territory. Uh, and we learn that Sam Wilson has been smuggling Inhumans um, out of the Hydra zone to uh, somewhere where they can be free. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he... Basically, he uses like this weird portal that goes underground to get them out of there and um, we encounter... Uh, Mole Man, and he's been basically giving packages um, to keep Mole Man happy and and allow him to keep using his tunnels. Oh, and how like borderline overused Mole Man is at the moment. I'm yeah, sure. but this this version was really funny because most of the uh, packages that they, that Mole Man is given is just collections of Blu-rays yeah. for him to watch from Above World. And there's a really funny moment about. Sam Wilson forgetting to give him Fargo <laughs> because Hydra content censors demanded it be cancelled. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then, I I'm sort of what, hate contemporary pop culture references I know, in, I, in comics. I and and, like, and I, I especially hate them when Spencer does it, but for whatever reason, I thought that was really funny. because you and, like Fargo. <laughs> that's all it takes. I'm You're so, like, it panders to fickle. me. I love it. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I really enjoy that. I think that actually won panel of the week yeah. this week. <laughs> Um, disappointed and then Mole Man goes ah oh, cursed Hydra and their prudish restrictions Noah Hawley is a genius yeah. <laughs> yes it's good I don't um, know who that is that's, he's the showrunner and creator um, yeah uh, and, then, and then there's a leftovers reference later on um, I don't know it was a completely unnecessary in, a, a issue with some funny jokes in it yeah absolutely um, Uncanny Avengers this week um, Jim Zub takes over the aforementioned Jerry Duggan who uh, did the uh, all issues up to now um, 1 to 23 of Uncanny, Uncanny Avengers this ties into um, to Secret Empire in that um, 
what's left of the uncanny avengers are um are stuck in the dark version the, the, the kind of the monster ver- mm. monster universe that's taken over new york and uh this is them teaming up to try and battle a bunch of monsters while quicksilver tries to get in i really liked the art on this issue yes yeah, so the art is by uh, a new a new artist for the run kim J- jacinto kim jacinto and c- great colors by tamra bonvian as well mm-hmm. um but i sort of found this one a little bit like i think this suffers from that classic thing of like characters not telling each other what they're feeling and so they're all just fighting for no reason and it's a bit annoying and boring it was still fine it was still fine <laughs> uh, but not 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 the best secret empire tie in this week no you know it was real fun this week what it's just a bunch of fun fun marvel books yeah uh, marvel zombies uh zombies assemble yep by uh Kami- Komiyama and Jim Zub again. Jim Zub mm-hmm. did a bunch of stuff this week. Mm. Um, this just continued this ridiculous uh, uh, zombie Avengers manga. Um, yeah. And, and it's super funny. It's set in the cinematic universe. Yep. It's super Japanese and um, and it's really, really silly and, and super enjoyable. Yeah. I like this. It's re- it's fun. I don't know why we got two issues of it one after the other in like one, one week to the next. Yeah, I think I think we're getting another one next week. Oh, that's awesome. I think they're just like pumping it out now because it's all finished pump it um, out marvel give me another <laughs> one of these this is great fun but now the zombies are exploding yeah that's right they're zombie bombs what does that mean What's going uh, up? and i just love how gruesome this gets as well it doesn't feel like a marvel Absolutely. book at all like it just really feels like some like you know body horror stuff you would see in a manga yeah but it's still very silly yeah it's very good, good fun. fun um another very entertaining uh, issue this week was the unbeatable squirrel girl issue number 21 uh we always forget to read this um, and we managed to read it this week, both of us, uh, Ryan North, Erica Henderson, and Rico Renzi, on this uh, you know great comedy uh, Marvel book that kind mm-hmm. of just exists, exists in its own world and mm-hmm. ties into the Marvel Universe when it feels like it. Um, this book, uh, basically three other superheroes have been introduced uh, along, along the run, best of which is Brain Drain, who is a human brain on a robot body. Um, and he's like very sort of nihilistic. Yeah, and just you know, just trying to be a human, but yeah, it has no off switch, and it's just it's constant fun. laughs. We've also got <laughs> Koi Boy and Chipmunk Hunk, mm-hmm. who um, basically the three of them are left to take care of New York and make sure there's no crime because Squirrel Girl and her housemate Nancy are going to the negative zone mm-hmm. to check on the alternate version of of Squirrel Girl that they left in the negative zone to to look after it. Yeah, I was hoping we were going to get like glimpses of what she's up to, um, but maybe, uh, maybe in future issues. Uh, what's her name? Like Arlene or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, instead, Squirrel Girl just returns in a in a tracksuit that says "Negative Zone" on it yeah. <laughs> with a with a bunch of negative ice cream, which which is hot. I can't remember. It's, it's good for you, it's and good you need to you. keep it warm. That's right. It's amazing. <laughs> Very good stuff. Um, this is just an unbelievably funny issue. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like like this series is mostly about like friendship and talking to people, and that's exactly what this was. And it was good fun. It's the opposite of that. Um, Uncanny Avengers book. Exactly. Everyone talks about, about their feelings. It's all about communication. That's right. I like it. Um, Black Panther and the Crew, issue number three, came out, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, oh, with, I didn't get this. With uh, pencils by myself. Butch Geist and Mac Chater. Love who we Butch saw. Geist. We love Mac Chater too. He did the Briggsland stuff. Mm. Um, and this basically is like the uh, kind of coming together of, um, uh, who is it? It's Black Panther, Luke Cage, Storm, Misty Knight, and um, Manifold. Yeah. Um, and uh, this, uh, we, we've, we've seen Storm, Misty Knight team up in the first issues. Then they meet meet up with Black Panther at the end of issue two. And uh, this finally introduces the one and only Luke Cage, um, who uh, is introduced via a massive explosion. Cool, as he always should be. Um, this is a slow-moving 
series, and unfortunately, it's only going to last six issues. But I imagine it's going to be a pretty, pretty it's solid little run. Mm. Yeah, I feel like there's so many adventures that you could tell with this. I don't know why it's called Black Panther and the Crew. I just yeah. think it's called the Crew, but maybe you need the Black Panther association there. I think so. But you know, they, they were saying that like that this is only kind of just damaged the readership to the regular Black Panther title because it's confused readers. So annoying. Classic Marvel. Classic. Um, what are we talk about next? Hulk by um, Mariko Tamaki um, and art by... It's a new artist on the series. And a new title page too with a weird like YouTube clip on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt Miller on colours and art by jo- um, Jorge Duarte. Um, this we've been kind of critical of because for a Hulk book it, has, it hadn't had very much hulking out. Jen mm. Walters is, uh, is very upset um, and, and kind of dealing with her post-trauma after being wounded in the Civil War II series um, and, you know, is alienating herself from her friends and not really fighting crime. She just kind of watches cooking shows all the time. Yep, she's obsessed with... (laughs) Like, this is actually very relatable in a lot of ways. Like... It, like, my, my sisters are insane and watch, like, ASMR videos all the time on YouTube. And this is, like, this is how I imagine them dealing with trauma is just obsessively watching baking videos, even though they wouldn't then <laughs> bake the cakes. Um, that makes sense. Also, horrifying realization at my previous birth class, guys. People sometimes get PTSD from their birth. Really? I'm really excited. <laughs> we'll, we'll document it week to week. From, a month from now. <laughs> um, but uh, this this reveals that Jen has been hulking out at a uh, abandoned construction site, mm-hmm. letting all her anger out because um, breaking things is nice. Absolutely. Um, and she gets followed by her friend Hellcat. And um, there's a, probably the highlight of the book is their interactions because I've been missing that. It's a good friendship. Absolutely. Friendship's I, really I, important. I really enjoyed this issue. I think that this is like, I think that last story arc got a little bit confusing and weird and I didn't really heaps understand it was all about sort of monsters and planning regulations. Yeah. Um, and so I'm more, I think that this is more of a straight up like, there's people are turning into monsters because of drugs. That's a thing I understand. Yeah. Live on cooking shows are turning yeah. into monsters. Yeah. I think it, it, it's becoming a bit more of a regular superhero comic with the PTSD Still as an element, exactly, but not instead of front being and center. a PSD comic yeah. with a bit of superheroes. <laughs> yeah, I like this. Um, I read Thanos number eight this, by Jeff Lemire. It's going to be the last uh, uh, Marvel book that Jeff Lemire works on. Uh, German Peralta and colors by Rachel Rosenberg. Um, this is uh, a, a, a very out of nowhere team up between uh, Thanos and the very people that were trying to kill him. Because what's more evil and worse for the universe than Thanos? His son Thane. Because Thane now has the Phoenix Force, but is also... So, I don't. I wish that this version of death was just like the skeleton in the robe and not like a sexy, cute girl version. Because yep. always, that always makes me laugh more. Yeah, but he's serving death with the Phoenix Force. So it's a, yep. you know, not, not a good combination for the world. Absolutely not. Uh, pretty fun. Pretty fun, yeah. Uh, I decided to read issue 151 of Venom because oh. I really enjoyed that uh, issue 150 with the Tradmore art. How'd but then I realized I only enjoyed it because of the Tradmore art. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> now the- Sandoval's back. You are less into it. No, Sandoval's art is fine. You know, it's very stylized. It's very much, you know, this throwback to the 90s. But mm-hmm. um, it's more the the character iteration. This, it's uh, You have Mac. Is it Mac Gargan? Is that his name? No. No, who's... who's Eddie Brock. Oh, yes. Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock arguing with the symbiote and they both have personalities. Right. And they want to be a hero. So when so Venom becomes a hero, but mm-hmm. he's regular screaming Venom, not like 
And it, yeah, I, I don't think it works as well as it did when he was like right. m- Marine Venom. I don't know. Yeah. It, it just felt off and a bit, a bit strange. And he, he's like, a, he has like smart aleck remarks when he's Venom now. And mm. I don't know. I kind of just kind of like Venom going blog. Yeah, <laughs> that's better. More blog, please. Ms. <laughs> uh, Marvel this week, issue number nineteen, uh, with a new artist who I've not seen on Ms. Marvel before, um, whose work I, I really, really loved, um, Marco Fayella. Fayella? Um, with art colors by Ian Herring. Um, Ian Herring, of course, is main, main, no matter which new art team comes on, it's always uh, Ian Herring who maintains that beautiful kind of washed out pastel mm. colors that we get on Ms. Marvel. Of course, written by G. Willow Wilson. Um, I've, I, I always kind of read the first issue of each new arc on Ms. Marvel to see if I'm going to like this one because I kind of do or don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like it when they do like the weird, like, you know, she's a, she's a nerd. So let's do a nerd issue about her meeting her counterpart from world of Warcraft right, or like right, that right. kind of stuff. But this was, um, this was really interesting. Um, it's, it's, uh, they're, they're celebrating, um, the end of the Hajj pilgrimage. Um, and, and the opening is them, uh, you know, meeting, meeting a goat that they're going to eat that night. Fun. And and Ms. Marvel doesn't doesn't want to eat it, and she wants to raise it instead. And they're all making Cute. fun of her. It's very funny. Like she, those personal, the family stuff is what I love the most about this book. Yeah. And then we learn that um, their street has been closed, um, and there is a new, uh, you know, Trump esque group that want to make Jersey for real New Jersey right. residents, not Kamala and her family. Right. Okay. Um, and it ends with her brother being um, being taken in by by this group at the end of the issue but uh yeah it's really really strong issue and definitely what i want from this series Mm. more than whatever happened in the last arc (laughs) uh finally star wars issue number 32 this uh, the screaming citadel storyline continues uh this one written by jason aaron and salvador la roca Uh, i've really enjoyed all the all the dr afra issues of this Mm -hmm. because it has a cartoonist doing just like suitably cartoony fun Mm-hmm. You know, very intricate, very in line with what Star Wars should look like. But then you have LaRocca doing the most photo referential work of yeah. his lifetime. Like, he wasn't doing this when he was doing the Darth Vader run. I don't know why he made the decision to do this, but it just looks like Uncanny Valley, especially Han Solo. Yeah. And it's, what's baffling is that he draws, like, like you know, he draws an um, unbelievable droid and Wookiee that look like pure cartooning. That they look like they did in the last issue. But then I guess he uses, like, some weird, like, digital program to get the faces on on the you know the, the characters that we know from the Star Wars universe so yeah yeah like Luke and Leia they also look fucking awful i hate it i don't know if it's him or the colorist <laughs> yeah i don't know either sometimes i think Lorca's work does kind of veer into that uncanny valley world and i think it's probably in digital element and i think because he's dealing with actual i assume he's actually photo referencing these because they're yeah, such recognizable characters yeah um and it does. It is a little bit odd. I quite still. I still quite enjoyed this issue. No, like, it's alright. Don't in, no. It's Han fine. Solo doesn't get mind controlled by a bug that latches under the back of his neck. That was silly. That was so stupid. That was like half the issue. How could you enjoy this? <laughs> They're just yeah. Just again. It's, and I, I made fun of Star Wars fans when they started saying it when these when these comics started when they were saying it's not very Star Wars, but this is not very Star Wars. Yeah, it's not especially Star Warsy. <laughs> uh, one more issue of this left yet. Oh my god! It ends with Luke Skywalker with the bug attached to him, but the that he can control the bug. Mm-hmm. Him saying with a lightsaber, "Bow before your king." So dumb. Yeah, this is a bad bad arc. <laughs> I almost want to drop we'll Star Wars. Soon. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that leaves us with the other publishers uh, left to, to review. Uh, we want to start with Boom. Boom, but it's a yeah. great week for Boom. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. God, actually, we mentioned two of these books earlier. Um, God Shaper, issue number three by Simon Spurrier and Jonas Goonface. 
best name in comics. Absolutely. Um, this is the incredibly hard to describe world. And I, I get, you know, you, you made a comment about there being a, um, a lot of holding your hand mm. guidance of, uh, of backstory. But I think this really needs it because this world is so insane. You have religion has died in the 50s and instead it's replaced with uh, the belief in yourself, which it manifests in like your own personal God that mm-hmm. you can do everything for you, depending on how much belief in yourself you have or something yeah um, and, and then there's like there's a s- sort of financial element to it as well where like the more money you have the bigger and more elaborate your god is i sort of just feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of explanation needed for this to make sense and there are bits that aren't properly delved into yet that i would be more interested in like right. there's a lot of like Oh, and then when a kid gets their god for the first time, when they're three, they have a special party, and then oh, I love that as a setup. Yeah, like I, like it was like I didn't hate it or anything like that, but just um, I don't know. I don't know. This is one of my favorite. Which was of the less week. expositiony. Maybe we should do a. I always put up like what I what I think would be the six issues that we agree upon for the best of the week. Yeah. Maybe we should do a Siobhan's picks, Levin's picks. Mine's just something stupid six times. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, something stupid six times. Siobhan's pick of the week. Um, I really, I think this is this is this. I love this comic because it's so insane and it's absolutely something that could only exist in comics. And, and the art is so exceptional. Yeah, they're really really good. I thought this this was this is the strongest issue for, of the run so far, but I might be wrong. Mm. Um, yeah, read this book. It's really cool and weird. Um, Grass Kings issue number four by Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins. Another uh, story that is about a um, sovereign nation mm-hmm. within America. Um, that's what it's called, right? Like a sovereign, yeah. sovereign state, yeah, maybe? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, and uh, this is, uh, you know, drastically different from Briggs Land. Uh, mm-hmm. It revolves around uh, a woman, a girlfriend of, one of, of, of someone from the main part of town escaping to the, um, the, the sovereign mm-hmm. place um, and trying to hide from the out-of-towners who mm-hmm. uh, wish to invade this, this place that they've kind of been, you know, at, in a Cold War with for years and years and years. I really like this series a lot. The it's, colors are beautiful. The it's art's insanely good. Like it's, it's really, like it's a sort of, it's just a very compelling read. Yeah, definitely. And this issue was, yeah, really, really strong. The watercolors really make it so unique and, and personal. Um, and uh, it has a quote in it um, from an extremely Canadian band. Um, I can't find it now. The, uh, the Tragically Hip. Oh, yeah. And that was the, the lead singer of that is the guy who wrote that book with Jeff right, Lemire right, right. two weeks ago. So another tragically hip reference in our comic books because Matt Kent is as Canadian as Lemire is. Who that, would win? They have Canadian com- contests, the Canadian <laughs> creators, who can be as Canadian as possible in their comics. Uh, Misfit City number two came out through the Boombox imprint. Uh, we loved the first issue of mm-hmm. this uh, kind of young, uh, like teen girl adventure comic mm-hmm. uh, written by Kirsten Kiwi-Smith and Kurt Lusgarten with art by Naomi Frankwiz and colors by Brittany Peer. I did not like this second issue anywhere near as much as the first issue. I think we, we applauded the first one for being so in tune with uh, youth speak mm. and with, not to the point where it gets annoying, but this one, just like the dialogue was my biggest, uh, the biggest problem with in this book. There were lots of like weird throwaway moments. That. I was just like, oh, shut up. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I didn't hate it that much. Um, I still enjoyed this issue. The first issue was definitely, I think, more tightly plotted, and so it was a bit more interesting. Um, I still like this, though. I still think it's a pretty solid characterization of of teens. 
Yeah, the, the the adventure that there are going to go on like a Goonies esque pirate adventure very soon, and I'm I'm going to stick aboard, stick around for that because I think it's going to be very fun. And I really like the art. Yeah, the art is great. I think it's um, good fun. Yeah, I just and I like um you know there's there's opportunities in this for like I like the variety of female representation within this book. Like it's not just like here's the chick, and even something as like as simple as you know they reference a pirate from ages gone by um, whose map they are potentially looking at and when they describe her automatically in comics you assume that she's going to be like a hot pirate but this was like a gross female pirate and I was really into it yeah that was but, nice and then me. when then when uh, they learn that she was like a, a team of cannibal war- warriors one of the other girls goes squad goals yeah <laughs> yeah look, and that I wasn't threw great. this comic book into the fireplace but also I had I to go to my 15 year old sister's birthday um, the other night it was 90s hip hop themed were they born in the 90s no uh, <laughs> just no I don't even think so 2000s yeah 2000s because of, yeah, like, yeah, yeah was it her 16th birthday 15th. 15th holy shit yeah she was born in 2002 anyway teenagers are awful um, <laughs> except Connor yeah except Connor Connor you can date my sister um, <laughs> Her awful sister. My awful, awful sister. No, my sister is great, but like teen girls on mass, like are horrifying, and that is how they talk, and they are dumb and annoying. Well, anyway, <laughs> shouts to your boyfriend for picking your fifteen-year-old sister's birthday themes. <laughs> she was so excited that he came. It was really oh, that's funny. That's amazing. <laughs> um, what's next for him? Your calculus thing, like a, a tr- trigonometry sixteenth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or yeah, like Jim Lee, Jim Lee X Men. <laughs> he wishes. Um, cool. So uh, that is it for Boom Reviews this week. What else have we got? We've got some IDW, some Aftershocks, and we've got two Dark Horse. Let's talk about those. Right. American Gods, uh, originally written as a novel by Neil Gaiman. This is being uh, adapted for comics by P. Craig Russell, Scott Hampton, and Colleen Doran over at Dark Horse. feels very much like the same tone to like an early Vertigo work, particularly mm-hmm. um, Gaiman's Sandman books and yep. uh, the original Hellblazer run. I think that's the strongest thing that keeps me reading it. This one stops the the the, the main story midway and gives us any like uh, a long kind of history of a, of another character from uh, long long ago um, that I'm not sure will figure will will, will will feature in the book ever again. And while her story was you know pretty interesting, mm. it felt just like they were just drawing. It just felt it was a massive info dump. Um, the second, you know, the second half of the story took the length that it would take me to read two other comics. True, the backup was extremely long. Was it a backup, or is it meant to? It's be It's more than half the issue. Yeah, that's really funny. I liked it, so <laughs> I still thought it was. It's very like it's very wordy, gaming. Yeah, you know, well, which is fine if you're reading it in a novel. But I think doing it when you're just quoting it verbatim and then just drawing pictures around it, I don't think this is this really like this didn't feel like a comic. It just felt like a you know like, a, like an illustrated novel. Mm, I feel parts. that. Yeah. If um, you're a gaming fan, though, you'll probably get a lot out of it. Uh, Predator versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens oh, it was the uh, a book that came out uh, partnership between Dark Horse and IDW, uh, written by John Lehman with art by Chris Mooneyham, um, Michael Atia, and Michael Heisler. Um, this book was just so much fun from the start with like uh, Archbishop Emoji uh, from Dark from, from from the Judge Dredd uh, universe being like this bizarre character that they have to fight in the beginning, and then that leads them to another character in Judge Dredd universe who has found an alien um, and is using the alien's blood to make hor- horrendous creatures, um, and then it's up to the judges and the predators to team up to take out the alien hybrids that have been created. It ended in such a spectacular fashion with 
like you know a really great version of the predators a really fun like take on aliens and then just a really like pitch perfect exactly like the, the predator gives gives uh judge dread like his utmost sign of respect and judge dread is like just get off my planet earth is off limits <laughs> like and it's just it's perfect so fun i'm so i don't know why i didn't read it um, I think you may have missed an issue like earlier yeah, too. But yeah, like when this comes out, if you're a fan of any of the franchises, <clears throat> um, I would highly recommend this. I actually enjoyed this better than any Predator versus Aliens thing I've ever read or watched before. So mm. turns out Judge Dredd is the is the, uh, the missing ingredient. Um, Helena Crush ended this week. This is an IDW creator-owned series um, by Fabian Rangel Jr., Warwick Johnson Cadwell, and um, uh, Sarah Gados editing on this one um yeah came out through idw was a, about a world in which coffee has been outlawed and there is all kinds of like weird gang activity uh this ends in just a suitably kind of like fun action sequence yeah um and uh it's over you I know? Think it'll be a really satisfying read in trade yeah definitely um but uh you know as, as a final issue it was like cool that's it that, yep. there it is that's absolutely done. But, really uh, excitingly though on the on the back cover it's gonna be a clue comic more excitingly than that is uh, another book that's coming out through IDW soon. I think it's a graphic novel. What could be more exciting? 200 pages um, of a book called Home Time. That which looks look really, really cool. fucking great. Um, uh, written by Campbell White. Home Time Under the River. The story of six kids who are about to start their summer vacation when they fall in a river that transports them to a village of fantastic creatures. Australian cartoonist White's first graphic novel combines the imagination of Dungeons and Dragons with charming characters and a bit of video game sensibility. Cool. I don't know who's Australian. That's awesome. That's awesome. 100% picking this one up. Look out for it, guys. Mm. Home time. We never talk about Australian comics, and there was actually a big Australian comic book rewards, the ledgers that King's Comics was a partner of. Absolutely. We were the principal sponsor this year. Um, that happened on Friday, so congratulations to all of the winners. Um, I'm going to try and read as many of those yeah. as I can. There's some unbelievable stuff being produced um, by Australian creators at the moment, and I'm going to be highlighting a whole bunch of that really soon um, on the King's page. And I'll probably also post that in our group. And in, on the podcast, too. And I think podcast, we should try and focus, focus on Australian comics as much as we can, especially Absolutely. ones that are readily available. Like, I listen to some Australian podcasts about comics will mm. be like, yeah, this like extremely small, specific zine run um, yeah. of like 10. Yeah, it's a really good, and then they go into depth. And I'm like, I'm not going to care about this thing. I'll never be able to read. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I mean, I think pushing ones that are readily available like this one that's going to be through fucking IDW mm. that's super exciting mm. awesome agreed um, over to Dynamite now for oh, why do I keep missing these this is really fun The I Sovereigns um, this is written by Ray Fox and art by uh, Johnny Desjardins um, it's the team up of Magnus Turok Solar and Dr. Spen- Spectre um, and uh, it's just like this really fun universe that I don't know fuck all about and they're all interacting and Woo. gruesome bullshit happens all the time and oh, it's man. super fun yeah. I really enjoyed like the preview to this and then I've missed both issues and it's very annoying to me. Dr. Magnus that came out last week still my favorite thing to mm. come out of this universe so far, but I'm, I'm on board for, for the ride, y'all. Yeah. It's great. And again, if you are reading Valiant and looking for more things that feel like Valiant but aren't, the Sovereigns. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, from Aftershock, from me. Oh, you've got one more. Wow. Oh, one more. Uh, World Reader, issue number three. Um, by Jeff Loveness, whose um, great Nova series unfortunately ended last week. Mm-hmm. He's got a creator-owned book over at Aftershock that he does with artist Wando. Who I love. Yeah, the art on this is spectacular. Um, World Reader is about the end of end of worlds mm-hmm. and uh, a, a woman who uh, has a power that allows her to kind of communicate with ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we learn in this issue a lot of her tragic backstory and why she's doing what she's doing as she, uh, you know, uh, kind of 
escapes her her team to kind of go on her own mission, mm-hmm. um, and someone joins her. Oh, this is a great, this is a great series. Yeah. It's so weird and cool, and the format of the story is unlike anything that we read week to week in comics. I just, Absolutely, I think it's, it's it's a really really different reading book. Yep, and the art has sort of um, like the color palette specifically has sort of Fraser Irving, Francesco Francavilla, yeah, as well. Yeah, um, really really beautiful. I really like this book a lot. Such a good book. Heaps fun. Aftershock are putting out some really good stuff at the moment. So the next book that Siobhan's going to read, I was yeah. like, oh, wow, another one of these, which is the Adam Hughes, um, Betty and Veronica series, issue number three. And I was going to read it. But then in the forward, I was like, what's happened in this book again? Because it's been mm. so many months since it came out. And it says that Betty Cooper is fighting for everything her hometown stands for, local artisans, community charities, and hard, honest work. In the other corner is Victoria Lo- Veronica Lodge, rallying for high-end corporate chain takeovers and the hipster agenda. Which is and very I was like, confusing. What the fuck is the hipster agenda? And also, like, if, if it's not local artisans, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like this is a misunderstanding of what what this like ridiculous annoying um version of hipster is by old man adam hughes and i hated like i was like i don't understand who this is for i don't like this is a waste of adam hughes's art i don't know why this exists i don't know why archie allowed this to happen also the colors are so muted i don't colors yeah it's a it has a very weird washed out like um, why would you get like the most like you know what do you what do you describe his artwork as like um the cheesecake Cheesecake yeah. artist, and then actually make the the colors look like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like loved this issue. I thought this was a really solid. Like this is the final issue. It's just a three issue art, which thank goodness because no one should allow Adam Hughes to do interiors because he's just too slow. He's good, but he's too slow. Um, but this was really like this was kind of ludicrously fun it had probably the most horrifying like veronica lodge moment of all where you're like oh my god this is like such an evil bitch version of veronica (laughs) um and then at the end everyone like she's redeemed and it's this sort of insane crazy manic um plot and it ends with like a really beautiful sort of solidifying of the betty and veronica friendship um yeah there's so i i (laughs) i was really enjoyed this at the end <laughs> which i was really surprised by um but yeah heaps good fun amazing which those i was shocked are, by those are our reviews for the week um we've yeah. been we've been reading um various graphic novels that have come out this month as well and mm-hmm. we've decided instead of trying to cram them into a regular episode we're going to cram them into a quieter episode so the, yeah. the fifth week of each month or you know the, the, the final week of each month is generally quieter and so we'll, we'll save up all our graphic novels and give you a big list of recommendations then i read so some look, good ones this week look forward to that just give a little tease what did you read I read uh, My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness by Nagata Kabi, which is um, an manga, which I haven't read much of, and it's, like, really incredibly compelling. And I read um, Claw, The Second Cycle by Jurian and Ozanam, which is um, an Italian really, really cool comic book. Awesome. Mm. Uh, so look forward to that very soon. Also look forward to a bunch of bonus stuff from us because we have a Patreon, everybody. Nice. And uh, it, you can find it at patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. And it is a great way for you to support the show. Um, this uh, incredible, long, uh, weekly, two-hour mm-hmm. romp through everything comics that comes to you free every single week. Um, if you would like to support it or would like us to somehow create even more content around comics each week, mm-hmm. uh, the easiest thing for you to do is go chuck us a couple bucks over at our Patreon page, which again is patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. What's crazy is that we forgot to check it for a while. Mm. And uh, it was hovering around the hundred dollar and something month mark, and now we hit two hundred dollars, which means we actually have to we owe our patrons a lot of stuff. Yeah, guys, so, we're on it. Though. Um, this week, I'm setting up a serious issues mailing list, which you'll only get.
get if you're a Patreon member, featuring rants and reviews and mm-hmm. little little like you know top five lists from not just Shimon and myself, but also uh, other members of uh, King's Comics and even the greater Serious Issues community. Mm-hmm. I might ask uh, previous guests like Alexi Toliopoulos, Nick oh, Mason. That would be great. Um, Mr. Sunday Movies to submit maybe a little little mm-hmm. fun little thing a tidbit uh, for people to check check out. Um, we're also going to start recording a bonus monthly episode focused on a particular character creator or run that we're a fan of, and uh, that's actually going to be open for all um, patron supporters to come on board and vote for next week awesome. when the when the mailing list goes out. I'll include a link to that for you to vote for what we what we focus on. And uh, in fact, I'm going to ask for some suggestions this week in our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast. Lots of links for you to remember, guys. Very important. Uh, get a pen and pencil ready at the start of every episode, please. Um, finally, we are also this month recording a Patreon-exclusive Q&A episode featuring questions from listeners like you. So we need questions, guys. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll, I'll pull a call out for, for that very soon too. So um, yeah, if you're a patron, um, look forward to a whole bunch of extra Serious Issues content coming to you by the end of the month. And uh, our next goal, um, when we hit $250 a month, is we're going to record another bonus monthly episode where we interview a creator. And I've already gotten in touch with said creator. Oh, cool. And she said yes. Oh, awesome. She also said, you guys are my favorite. Oh. So pe- people who have been listening to us for a long time will know who that is. And that's it's so super exciting. exciting. Oh, man, that's so exciting. Because I've not read any interview with her that explicitly talks about comic books. Yeah. And yeah. That's awesome. It's a big tease. You should be able to work this one out very easily. Guys, I'm um, excited. So uh, all that's left for us to do, besides plug that Patreon page one more time, patreon.com slash series use podcast. whole bunch of cool rewards for you. We need to send out some comics to people too. Um, cool. We've got a lot of people that are, fuck, people budgeting like 20 bucks a month. Jesus, we, we need to give them some stuff. That's so nice, guys. Um, we, need to th- we need to start thanking people on the show, apparently. That's another thing I said I would do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Well, thanks, uh, guys. <laughs> all that's left for us to do is uh, let you know which comics we recommend for the next week. And next week is another fucking enormous week. really is. It's like three weeks in a row of like 50 comics that we've read each. I'm exhausted. Um, but... Uh, some new series starting um, is uh, Chip Zdarsky's uh, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man number one starts with up by uh, Adam Cubitt. I'm keen to check that out. Um, because, you know, we, we've been following Zdarsky's career as mm-hmm. not just an artist, but as a, a writer um, since we started the podcast. And, you know, he's definitely been stretching his arms out to do more, mm-hmm. you know, less comedy focused things. But I really, really enjoyed um, his, his take on Spidey when he showed up in the How the Duck run. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping it kind of feels in line with that. That would be great. Bit, bit younger maybe um, I'm really excited for the next arc of um, Aquaman which is um, has art by I'm definitely going to say his name wrong but Stepan Stepan Sejic who um, is most famous for Sunstone etc I'm really excited to see his sexy take on Aquaman um, the aforementioned Weapons of Mutant Destruction, number one, crossover between Totally Awesome Hawk and Weapon X starts next week. The number one comes out of that. Uh, also, for a number one world, we have the uh, number one issue of an um, issue that we loved, the Zero issue, sorry, a comic that we loved the Zero issue of called Sword Quest. Oh, cool. It was like, kind of like, a, like a, an Atari comic about a man finding an old Atari and going on a quest. That was Super fun. fucking cool. Um, Image has a very funny sounding comic called Shirtless Bear Fighter, which yep. I read a preview of, which was really, really funny. Um, starting next week um, and uh, we also get um, uh, speaking of Archie um, we have the, you know, that last episode that last issue ended in this b- bizarre cliffhanger yeah. in which they all got in a car crash and one of Archie's friend is never going to be the same um, I guess we're going to find out that like I don't know Reggie's a cripple or something <laughs> seems 
Um, I would be so unsurprised if that's what it was. <laughs> uh, we get the start of uh, it is a double issue, issue twenty five of Batman, written by Tom Queen, Tom King. Queen. Nice. Uh, the war on jo- war of jokes and riddles starts next week, um, and most excitingly of all, issue number six of Headlopper, Woo! our favorite quarterly comic. That's about awesome. A Viking, Viking with a witch's head and his burlap sack on his shoulder. What is not to love about that? Uh, so those are the comics and many, many more that we'll be reviewing next week. Uh, go out and read as many of the comics that we talked about this week and next week. Uh, right now, is that a, does that work as a, as a sentence? Yep. Great. Might as well. And uh, if you want to find us online, facebook.com slash podcast or join our group, facebook.com slash group slash podcast. You can find us on Twitter at serious underscore underscore issues. I am at levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Um, Siobhan is at Siobhan CBG on both Twitter and Instagram is where you can mm-hmm. find us and you can send us an email do we still get emails? yeah great Serious Issues Podcast at kingscomics.com um, we actually had one from a creator saying hey when did you review our comic? turns out we didn't oh no <laughs> well I'll reply to that <laughs> I did don't worry oh cool <laughs> nice thanks uh, and um, that is it for us great thanks guys and we'll see you next week see ya Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.